Welcome to your one-stop shop for gaming, gadgets, technology, anime, video games, comic books, and anything else you can think of. It is the GeekSpeak Report, here at speakgeekspeak.com. Episode 7, Part 4 of the GeekSpeak Co-Host Challenge. Today we are joined by Lori Thomas, alias Tamalo, on the comic forums. Here we are with GeekSpeak Report, Episode 7. Hey there, everybody. My name is Ian Levitstein, and welcome to the GeekSpeak Report, Episode 7. Well, here we are with another part of the GeekSpeak co-host challenge, the fourth person out of the gate, and introducing you here. You've probably heard her a couple times before. She was on Comic Timing once, she was on Geek Brunch, and I know she's got her own thing coming soon, but uh, tomorrow on the forums, Lori Thomas, everybody else there out in the real world. What's going on, Lori? Nothing much. So uh, let's, let's give everybody a little bit of a background of your geek cred a little bit. Oh, my geek cred. Let's see. Uh, my very first comic series was Amethyst by DC Comics. Uh, my grandfather would take me to the grocery store, and I was bugging him one day, and he says, there's comic books over there. Why don't you check them out? And I saw a couple things I liked, and there was this really cool teenage girl, and she had this uh, this jewels that were around her, and it turned out to be Amethyst. It was the uh, first series. Uh-huh. Uh, he He bought it for me, and I've been hooked ever since. And like I've said previously, um, I had a serious love affair with Thor for about 15 years. Um, And then I gradually moved on to other things, got out of comics for a while, and I've been back into it full-time for about four years now. Now, uh, did did comics open the door for you for being into other geeky things, like uh, geeky TV shows, sci-fi, that sort of stuff? Yeah, my first major geek TV show was probably Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, there was a, a moment where I remember watching the first episode, and I was like, oh my god, I have arrived. And then eventually I discovered the original series, and then I discovered Battlestar Galactica. Um, I was really big into Highlander, all the various spinoffs. Not a big Buffy fan. I am an Angel fan. It's just sort of the last, oh gosh, what is this? 2008, the last 18 years has been just nothing but geekdom. It seems like I always seem to get into shows like after they're already off the air or you know, long after everybody else loves them because I just started watching Buffy. I'm on season three now. So that's that's how sad I am. I'm into Stargate SG-1 now that it's off the air. I'm up to season eight of that. I just bought Stargate Atlantis season one, even though I, I'm watching Atlantis as it's airing. Uh, you know, Got into Galactica after it started already. Uh, just finished the 4400. And uh, I've just been, like, catching up on every single geek show I've missed over the past ten years, I guess. I got hooked on Stargate about, oh, I'd say five years ago. My boss is a closet nerd. And because of him, I have all ten seasons of Stargate. (laughs) Nice, nice. (laughs) I went out there and bought the box set. Yeah, the box sets are nice. Um, I I do have to admit, though, I'm not a Stargate Atlantis fan. I saw the first two episodes. I was like, no. (laughs) <laughs> it just didn't didn't work for me. I, I actually first got into it uh, not this past season, but the one before that. And mm. uh, I, I, from what I've heard from people who have watched it from the beginning, it does get better as it goes on. So maybe if you give it a shot, then well, I know that uh, Robert Ricardo is joining the cast uh, oh, as, okay. as of uh, this upcoming season, which I, oh. I believe starts in July. So you know you could always try getting in on the ground floor over there, and maybe that'll get you into it again. Who knows? Yeah, it could be. Yeah. I mean, he was cool on SG One. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, he was. It's just that 
with so many different television shows that when I'm watching, um, I've sort of gotten into where I'm not watching anything unless it's, you know, Doctor Who or Torchwood. Right. Um, I got hooked on um, the John Adams series for a while. Okay. And uh, I'm currently working my way through Rome seasons one and two. And I still haven't seen the end of Desperate Housewives. Um, I still haven't seen the end of Boston Legal. I just haven't been watching television other than an occasional really bad B movie. <laughs> okay, okay the, uh, not to spoil the end of Boston Legal for you, but mm-hmm. there are some beautiful William Shatner acting moments in that episode. Oh, good. Yeah, it, it's, it's, good. it's very much an Alan and Denny episode. So, oh, good. Very centric on them. Okay. <laughs> Another one that I've been catching up on recently, uh, actually, uh, The Tudors. Which oh, God, I love The Tudors. <laughs> I, I haven't watched season two yet, uh, mostly because I think I'm just going to either download it or, or wait until the DVDs are out and catch up that way. But I finished season one about a week before season two started, and that actually hooked me entirely on the show because those last like three or four episodes were the best of that season. Well, you know, I, I finished watching season one about, oh, six weeks ago, and I have actually seen the first episode of season two. And not to get graphic, but I thought they kind of did it the last scene of the show. <laughs> no, 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 no. They, they, they came sign- – well, 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 wait, in season two or in season one? Season one. No, no, in season one, that was that was the best part of season one. Just to spoil it a little bit here for anybody who just to be on safe side, but there are spoilers coming up for this uh, finale of season one of the Tudors. But no, she intentionally kept made him wanting. They came this close to having sex, and then she pulled away before he could actually uh, finish the job. If you know what I mean. Well, yeah, because that the last was the last ten minutes where yeah. they're out riding and that the whole thing, and mm-hmm. and I'm looking at it and I'm going, wait a minute, did they just? You know, and then I'm looking and I'm thinking in the back of my head, oh, poor Catherine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, she she gets such a raw deal. Oh, yeah, but I mean, just the, the cast alone. Yeah. I mean, it is the, it is, I like historical stuff, but just the tutors, I mean, it's like this guilty pleasure that you have to watch. Right, right. And, and Weeds is coming back in a few weeks, so I'll be happy oh, about I that. Oh, I know. And, Oh, so many good stuff out there. But one of the ones that you mentioned is one of the ones that I know you wanted to talk about on this uh, particular episode as we go into the geek discussion portion of the show. I know you wanted to mention uh, Torchwood and Doctor Who a little bit. So, uh, Oh, yeah. You sat down and you watched uh, season two of Torchwood? I not only watched it, I have it on my iPod. Sweet. I absolutely adore Torchwood. Um, I think it is probably one of the best uh, sci-fi series that's been produced uh, in a long, long time. Season one, it was, oh, hi, I'm gay. Oh, hi, I'm gay, too. <laughs> well, but which, I stuck through it. <laughs> it. It's funny you mentioned that because actually some people I know say that Torchwood actually isn't gay enough. Because really? even though they have you know the, uh, the sex with, uh, with each other and all this, there aren't any actual officially gay characters on the show. Everybody's bisexual. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I can see that. Yeah. I mean, John Barrowman, um, I don't know, when I first started watching, I thought, oh, my God, this guy looks better than Tom Cruise. And I went to the <laughs> website, and I was like, oh, he's gay. And then about 30 seconds later, I was like, it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, have you ever watched the clip of him singing Springtime for Hitler from the uh, – yeah, it was, it was the producer's movie that came out with Matthew Broderick and Nathan Lane in the, in the main roles. Cause, oh, I've seen the movie, and I – I don't remember seeing well, him in the movie. <laughs> see if you see if you could find it on YouTube because there's an there's a clip of him. He was actually the blonde SS 
uh, singing oh, Springtime yeah. for Hitler. Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> and this was, this was before he was Captain Jack. And, at, of course, after he was Captain Jack, this became, like, one of the most popular clips on YouTube. It was like, holy shit, it's Captain Jack, and he's spring, singing Springtime for Hitler, and he's blonde. Oh, I have to look this up. <laughs> oh, man. But, but, yeah. Oh, yeah. Tor- Torchwood, I guess the best way for me to describe Torchwood is it's sort of like X-Files meets Angel. Um, uh. Where you've got like the, you know, like almost like the Scooby Gang uh, going out there to try and deal with the extraterrestrials. It's more mature than Doctor Who ever was. There's, you know, there's sex all over the place as we as you've mentioned. But the stories just keep on getting better and better. Oh yeah, I mean, there were certain episodes that just sent chills. You know, um, I'm looking right now. The one where it was the uh, circus. Uh-huh. And it had the two circus performers or vaudeville performers, and they were actually on on a film, and they you know come to life. That was probably the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. I could not sleep that night. It was just absolutely oh, it was it, it gave me chills. Um, Still not nearly as creepy though as uh, the Blink episode of Doctor Who. Oh no, no, I can't watch Blink. I, I just, oh no. And, and now Stephen Moffat is going to be the showrunner of Doctor Who's. So I'm sure you'll get more and more shows like that. Oh, that should be interesting. Mm-hmm. That should be very interesting. Um, I, I guess that the thing that really got me with Torchwood, and I and I do buy Torchwood magazine, uh, is that each episode really sort of built up on the last episode, okay. and I think that the thing that just sort of bothered me is that your main characters are having deeply personal issues. Mm -hmm. They're barely getting along with each other, but at the same time they can sort of pull it together. And and, and the the writing, just the mood and the setting, and you've got Captain Jack. It it is, I can't even describe how good it is to have a really good episode of Torchwood. Right. I think my favorite episode from this particular season of Torchwood, the season two, was the one with the, uh, well, I guess I guess he was sort of an entity. The guy who ended up a member of Torchwood, even though he had never been, like, there at all before. To the point where they, oh, to the point yeah. where they even inserted him into the credits for that particular episode. If you watch the beginning, they mm-hmm. add, like, two scenes of this guy, and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. that, that's kind of weird. And then, and then you know, she, she, wa- she walks into the office, and there's this, there's this guy that she's never seen before. Mm-hmm. And his memories replace those of her husband. That's true. That yeah. is true. That was very scary. It was, yeah, it was, it was messed up. And, and just in, in general, too, that's the episode we learn more about Captain Jack's life. There's a nice role reversal between Tosh and uh, the dick, as I like to call him. The, the guy who gets zombified in, in the show. Uh, Owen? Yeah, Owen. There we go. Yeah, T- Tosh yeah. and Owen change places in this episode. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Where one of them becomes the nerd and the other one becomes the, uh, I guess, the sex pot. And, right. And uh, it, it, was just, it was just really, really fun. But every single episode of Torchwood just has me on the edge of my seat. Oh, yeah. my uh, I'm looking at now. My favorite episode was the wedding episode. It's called Something Borrowed. Okay. That was the best one for me. Right. And that's the one where... where uh, uh, she, she ends up waking up, uh, and I keep on saying she. See, I suck with names. This is the one thing you're going to have to learn about me here, because uh, actually remembering the names of characters is the most Gwen. Important. Gwen, thank you. Gwen, Gwen, Gwen wakes up, and all of a sudden she's like nine months pregnant. Yeah, that was great. <laughs> <laughs> Having to explain that to the wedding guests was uh, certainly fun. Oh, yeah. 
But, uh, yeah, I'm expecting a lot out of Season 3. I don't know where it's going to go. I mean, not to spoil the finale for everybody out there, but the finale changes a lot about the show. And uh, it's going to be difficult to actually sort of get that same sort of uh, feel back to the show with two main characters. Uh, major, Major things happen to two main characters on a show. Well, it says here that season three is basically going to be a five-part miniseries that's going to air over a week. Okay. Okay. So we're not getting the 13 episodes, which makes me kind of sad. Well, they do that in Britain a lot. Uh, Actually, uh, well, this next season of Doctor Who is not going to be a season. It's going to be three movies, if if memory serves me right, where one of them is going to be, I think, like an hour-and-a-half episode. The other one's going to be an hour-and-a-half episode. The other one's going to be a full-on Doctor Who movie that's like two hours long. And then we get the next season of Doctor Who with Stephen Moffat as a showrunner. Oh, okay. So okay. I, I assume they're probably doing sort of the same thing with Torchwood, just to, I guess, maybe not give you too much of one or the other. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, I certainly hope we get a full 13-episode season after that. So so where would you scale it on, like a scale of like one to five for this season? Um, I would give it a four. Okay. All right. So almost, almost amazing, but one or two things that sort of went eh for you. I didn't. I did like the fact that Owen was a zombie. I thought it was stupid. Uh, I. I mean, here's this person who, excuse my language, who was whoring all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, he's reduced to where he can't drink, he can't eat, he can't have sex, he can't do anything that made him Owen. But he realizes in the end that he loves Tosh. Right. I, I just thought, well, this is really stupid. And I knew that he was leaving the series early on because he he wanted to, you know, start acting in plays and, and stuff like that. But knowing that he was leaving, I was expecting him to be killed off and to be dead. But they keep bringing the man back. <laughs> well, at least him being dead or almost dead did bring on the Martha cameo. Which, which yeah. was nice to have for the three episodes that she was on, because Martha Jones is probably my favorite companion up until now of Doctor Who. Yeah, and, and I have issues with the way that they've had her as a companion, mm-hmm. not just with Torchwood, but with Doctor Who, because I, I think that if they're going to make her a companion, leave her as the companion. Don't have her pop in and out. Right, right. I, I think that, I don't know if the British people didn't like the fact that she was of African descent. I don't know if they thought that she was too cute, but I, I, I thought that she's sort of getting the shaft. I mean, she had one season as the companion. Mm-hmm. She had several guest stars on both shows, right. and she's the best thing they've got on the show next to David Tennant. Well, although actually I've been, I've been pleasantly surprised with Catherine Tate so far. I didn't like her character in the wedding special. I thought that oh, she I was very that. over the top in that. Uh, however, they fleshed her out nicely in this season. The Doctor's Daughter. Uh, I actually liked her for a change. Have you seen that one? Uh, yeah, I, I did. In fact, uh, I'm about, I think, two or three episodes ahead of you because I've been watching them straight from Britain. Okay. Don't you think that the ending of that episode, that would make a great spinoff? And they're thinking about it. <laughs> they're very, oh, they're, they're very I, much thinking about it. I mean, I saw that and I was high-fiving Mark. I was going, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. <laughs> well, this mm-hmm. season is going to be, as they're calling it, Companion Palooza. Oh, geez. Where they're going to be getting back. Martha's going to be on it. Rose is going to be on it. Catherine Tate's character is going to be on it. And most importantly, Sarah Jane. Oh. So Sarah Jane's going to be back. And probably, if not in this episode, then one of the other episodes, I know that Jack is going to be in it. Oh, they have to have Jack. Of course. Yeah, they, you got you to have, have Jack once a, once a season or else it's just not a season. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so that, that's going to be the big thing happening in Companion Palooza. What was also a lot of fun for me, and this is uh, segueing into one of the things I wanted to talk about here. It was sure it was an Academy Award winner, but I didn't see it in theaters. So I actually first watched it. I got the uh, two disc special edition uh, at uh, Virgin Records here in uh, in uh, Manhattan. I got uh, Juno, which was it was a lot of fun. Um, Ellen Page uh, played the main character. Obviously, she played Juno McGuff. And you got Michael Sarah, who's always funny. George Michael from Arrested Development. And this one, he plays Paulie Bleeker. You got Jennifer Gardner, who's uh, usually a brick because I don't like her acting. I never liked her acting, even though I was a huge fan of Alias. I thought she was the worst part of Alias, <laughs> which is kind of sad that I sat that there watching a show, even though I hated the main character. What does that say about I- that? I I tend to agree. I mean, I have made myself watch Elektra a few times, and each time I'm going, no, no. (laughs) Well, I mean, Daredevil wasn't that bad, Mm -hmm. but it's just, I I don't know if it's her her body or her face or the fact that she comes across wooden, but oh, well, no, no. no, what pisses me off about that Daredevil film, and I know it's a segue, but we'll get back to Juno in a minute, but what pisses me off about that Daredevil film is they took Echo's backstory and applied it to frickin' Electra. Yeah. Yeah, that that bothered me too. She looked good, and that was about it. <laughs> well, well, in this, actually, her style of acting does sort of help the part because she she plays this very needy woman called Vanessa Loring, who's mm-hmm. trying to get herself a baby at all costs. I mean, she wants to be a mother no matter what, and she can't be a mother. Uh, at least that's what the doctors have told her. And Jason Bateman plays her her husband in this, Mark Loring, and he's this washed up '90s rock and roller. Like, he basically wants to be uh, Kurt Cobain 10 years after Kurt Cobain, and Mm. it's just not happening. He's stuck in this phase. He's writing jingles for TV, and he just doesn't feel like he's ready to be a father, even though she's ready to be a mother. And that's one of the main plot points of the movie itself. And you have a movie where both Michael Sarah and Jason Bateman are in it. They don't have one scene together. Mm. That's a missed opportunity. That is. And I have to say right now that I have not seen Juno. Okay. But I am familiar with Diablo Cody. Okay. And I think that from just what I've heard and what I've seen in the wiki page, I think that for her to write this was absolutely breathtakingly beautiful Mm -hmm. because of her life experiences. Sure. While I'm sure I will see Juno eventually, I I just kind of want to keep the mystery of Diablo Cody. Okay. Does that sound weird? <laughs> no, that's fine. That's fine because I've actually <laughs> – I mean I, I sort of felt that way myself about certain things. Like one of the reasons I didn't start watching Buffy until now was because I sort of had this allure in my head of the Joss Whedon. Mm, you know, yeah. like, yeah. Oh, like, oh, he is the geek god. Oh, he's one of the best things ever. And yet I couldn't even say that myself because I hadn't watched Buffy. I hadn't watched Angel. The only thing I'd watched was Firefly. I've only read his comics. I did read Frey. Uh, back when that was coming out. But my favorite mm-hmm. thing about reading Frey was that I started reading it after this that huge delay happened. What was it two years between issues or something like that? 
Yeah, and yeah. I actually started reading it about a month before that, that last issue was going to be coming out. So I didn't even know about the delay. Oh, wow. <laughs> I picked them up in back issues at my, at my comic shop, and then I find out afterwards about this huge delay, and I'm like, oh, well, I guess I win. Oh, jeez. I, I think the thing with Juno that I really like is that um, you've got a woman who's writing a story that's very personal. Mm-hmm. She's you know talking about you know issues of abortion and teen pregnancy, and it was treated with respect. Right. It, it wasn't, you know, your your normal teen movie. It was something that, I mean, this kid was on, you know, The View. She was interviewed by Barbara Walters, and she's very grown up for her age. And the fact that she got nominated, um, it just blows me away that they could have such a female-driven story that was not cutesy. It wasn't a sex in the city. And it was a hit. Ellen Page, I know that she's a movie star now because of this movie. I want her in TV. I want her in some sort of office-type sitcom because she is hilarious. And she's, yep. re- she's really good at improv, too. I mean, when you see throughout this, you know that there are scenes that are definitely improv just by the way yeah. she's playing them off. And uh-huh. she, does it, she does it beautifully. And there, there are actually uh, – th- well, there's only one scene that was included in the film, but there's, a, there's one deleted scene with them as well. Rain Wilson plays a part in this as well. He plays uh, Rolo, the uh, – uh, the guy who works at the at the local like I guess like delicatessen slash like whatever the hell you want to call it uh, bodega, and uh, he's in it in the, like the first scene, and and he was a lot of fun too. But J.K. Simmons and Allison Janney steal mm-hmm. the scene in this movie because they play Juno's uh, father and stepmother. J.K. Simmons in anything will make me like a movie. Oh yeah, this yeah. man is gold. Period. Oh yeah, definitely, <laughs> completely, definitely. Yeah, and, and there's one particular scene with Al, with Alice and Jenny that uh, when you see the movie, uh, tell me if you if, if you're in, as much in love with it as I am right here because there's one scene at the uh, the ultrasound uh, for the mm-hmm. baby where Alice and Jenny's character Bren goes off on the ultrasound technician with and, she, and she, she's like a puddle in the floor afterwards. It, it, it's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> it's it, it's definitely one of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie. But uh, my only qualm, and I guess this is up to your tone of music, I guess, the soundtrack mm. was annoying as hell. Oh, God, the moldy peaches. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I, I was not familiar with them. Uh, again, I'm a, I'm a dedicated you know, watcher of The View. Right. And they had them on. And I'm sitting there with Mark, and, and we're watching. And he's only watching because of Whoopi. And he turns to me. <laughs> That's the kind of person he is. He turns to me and he says, who the hell are the moldy peaches? <laughs> and I'm like, I've never heard of them before. You know, my music tastes are either Jimmy Buffett, Weird Al, or Metallica. I don't know. <laughs> and and my God, that is all over the place, Lori. <laughs> oh, it is. And, and what's so bad about it is that we, we download the song and we were going, okay, this is not good. And he he just, he turns to me and he's like, we're not buying any more music from them. I go, I got you right there. I, I, I saw the Moldy Peaches live once, and I'm trying to like track in my head which uh, actual show it was. I think it was when I saw They Might Be Giants at Prospect Park. Oh, okay. And uh, I remember turning to my then-girlfriend and going, what the hell is this? Because it, it just didn't feel right. Uh, if it wasn't that... Then it might have been the uh, again at Prospect Park because I'm trying to like conf- like combine the two. But I went to see Cake at Prospect Park once, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, the Flaming Lips were also on the bill. Now, oh, okay. 
if you've ever seen the Flaming Lips live or any of their performances, they are basically like a circus. Oh. Okay. They they have all these like like extra like screens and stuff, and uh, they've got like these medicine balls that they throw out into the crowd, and it's it's like an adventure. They put cake after the the, the flaming lips. So in essence, it oh. was it was hey, here's this great you know like crazy insane band that you're either gonna love or hate, and then there's cake. <laughs> I went to see cake. I would have rather cake been on before them, so I could have left. <laughs> but what are you gonna do? Oh well. Yeah. Yeah, I've been to a couple shows like that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, o- overall the movie's a lot of fun. I, I included in this geek uh, review thing because uh, Jason Bateman's character is, in essence, a geek because he's a music geek. And, mm-hmm. and he does uh, mention a couple of uh, random things here and there that uh, probably technicians would understand a little more than I do. But I, I would give it about uh, – I'm going to give it the same rating you give Torchwood. I'm going to give it a 4 out of 5 because it's just it, – it's fun. It's, it's a very, very fun uh, – thing in general to actually be involved with so that's what i'm going to go with there You went to see a movie that uh, was what? How many years in the making? Nineteen. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Obviously, we're talking about Indiana Jones. I saw it too. Uh, I'd like to hear your take on it first. Okay, first of all, let me just say that I used to have a cat that was named Indy, and it had a, uh, a brother that was named Jones. Okay. Saying that. I love Indiana Jones. Uh-huh. I I actually went to school uh, studying history and archaeology until I discovered I had to examine mummies, and I switched to history based upon this. Um, I remember when I was in junior college, uh, in the afternoons, I had about three hours break between classes, and I would go down to the Media Resources Center, and every day for a year, I would check out The Last Crusade and sit within a little booth with a viewfinder, in a little video, and I watched The Last Crusade every day for a year. If I don't know it, I've forgotten it. Um, Indiana Jones, uh, number four. Um, I didn't like the alien part. Um, I thought that seeing the cast and seeing how well he's aged made it a good movie. Is it the best one of the series? Probably not. Do I like Crusade better? Yeah, but it was a fun ride. Okay. Here's where this movie lost me, and this is partially because of how long we had to wait, partially because of, uh, I guess, uh, something I wasn't expecting, and also because of how old everybody is now. Because uh, now, now Harrison Ford aged well, very, very yeah. well. He doesn't look like a mummy out there. That's a good sign. Um, right. This movie should have been made ten years ago. Okay. I agree. Um, mainly because of because it was made now, they couldn't get uh, one of the things I was looking forward to, and that of course is Mr. Sean Connery. Exactly. Who retired from movies, even though uh, what was it? Ten, I think I think it was from ten years ago, if not from maybe five years ago, when they were first going to start making this movie. He had an interview 
and they asked him, and he said, of course I'm going to be in it. I, I love being in the, in, the, in the first movie I was in. I'm sure as hell going to be back in this one. Then he retired. He thought about it long and hard and said, I'm not going to be in it. So they killed him off. And now he can never be in it again. So, you know, there you go. Mind you, he's old and obviously wouldn't be in any other movies, but uh, I was kind of upset by that. The other thing was, when looking back on the history of this movie, there was a spec script that came out that everybody poo-pooed, saying this can't possibly be the spec script that they're going to end up using. And the, the name of this script, get ready for it, was Indiana Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars. Now, that's actually a line in this movie. Indiana mm-hmm. Jones and the Saucer Men from Mars, because he, he, right. he says, you know, what are these, Saucer Men from Mars? Which obviously mm-hmm. is a throwback to that. So right. what was poo-pooed once upon a time as this can't possibly be true because it sounds so ridiculous turned out to be the plot line of the current Indiana Jones movie. Yeah, yeah I, um, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about the actual story. Um, I thought that bringing back uh, Karen Allen as Marion Ravenwood was really good. I think Shia did a really good job. It's just that it didn't have quite the feel of the previous three movies. Oh, great. It, 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 it had, it had a, a, a familiarity to it, mm-hmm. but from the opening scene until about, oh, I'd say a good half hour into it, I, I, it, I was bored. The way it was described to me, and this was described afterwards, and uh, actually I'll, I'll give props to io9 for this uh, when they did the review of it. Uh, the first three movies were 30s-style movies, mm-hmm. and this movie was a 50s-style movie. Mm-hmm. You know, they had the, you know, the throwdown, the Happy Days scene, which was kind of ridiculous, but <laughs> what are you going to do? And you know, the whole alien obsession, because, well, that's what 60s, 50s movies were all about. You know, aliens and invasion and that sort of stuff. And that's, in essence, what we got out of this, out of this Indiana Jones movie. Was it the right move? I, I, I can't say yes or no because I enjoyed it. It just wasn't what I wanted out of the next Indiana Jones movie, especially since now Mr. Lucas is saying, hey, well, how about we do for the next one? We have Shia will both be the main character and have Indiana Jones be the Sean Connery type. See, I, that I don't have a problem with. Okay. I don't have a problem with that because if we want more Indiana Jones films, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to have to you know, change it up. I think that the problem is, is that people are so attached to Harrison Ford that accepting Shia as the new Indy, they're going to have to do a really good transition. At the end of the movie where the hat comes down and he picks it up and he's about to put it on and then Indy grabs it from him, I thought that was a great little segue. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that like Crusade where you had that – intro with river phoenix and explain you know how he got you know the fear of snakes and how he got the cut under his chin you're gonna have to do something like that in the beginning of the fifth movie to make me fully jump on board with him being the new indiana jones and i'm looking at the uh, imdb and i'm thinking myself okay indiana jones you've got marion ravenwood where did mutt williams come from (laughs) was that his stepfather (laughs) uh maybe it just doesn't match. It just—it's crazy. But the one thing that I will say is that of all the characters, I think Kate Blanchett's character was probably the one that I did not like at all. Mm-hmm. I thought she was very, very rigid. She was very, very German, Russian, whatever she was. Um, but she was supposed the, 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 to be. She was supposed to be. That's another. That's another aspect of fifties movies. You know, have the over the top foreign lady. 
Well, yeah, it's just that I, I just it, it it she didn't she didn't seem like a character that I could really get into. I know that's what it was supposed to be, but I, I just I, I didn't like it. Um, I did I just didn't care for it. And as far as the happy day scene for me, that was probably one of the funnier moments. That and the motorcycle in the library. I, I, I'm not saying it wasn't funny. I'm just saying that it just sort of threw me for a loop, you know, because it's yet again, yet another scene I would never expect to see in an Indiana Jones movie. But if you're doing the 50s homage, I guess it makes sense. But actually, even more, even more jarring than that, though, was the CG, specifically the scene with the ants and the actual spaceship, the actual spaceship scene. Both of which just I, – I, I turned to the person sitting next to me who turned to the person sitting next to them who turned to the person sitting next to them, and we all shared a what-the-fuck look because it was just something neither of us, any of us, understood what the hell it was doing in an Indiana Jones movie. You, know? you, don't, need, you don't need CGI to make a good indie movie. This is true, but I will point out an example of CGI gone bad, and virtually everyone was like, ooh, I just watched that, but we were fascinated. King Kong, a couple of years ago. Uh-huh. The scene in the jungle where the guy is being eaten alive by the giant bugs, and he's watching this giant cockroach eat his hand. Okay, my hand's gone. Oh, he just ate my elbow. Oh, 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 he's going to get my head, and then he just sort of freaks out. Your hand and your arm is gone, and you're just now freaking out. It was the same thing with the ants. Uh-huh. It was CGI that was so bad that we just couldn't not watch it. And, and the, the scene where Kate Blanchett's character is hanging from the tree and she squishes the CGI ant with her knees, I just thought was hysterical. <laughs> it's like, squish! <laughs> it, it, it's something that I'm glad wasn't in, uh, and obviously you'll know this when you get a chance to see it, but it, it's, it's something that they didn't end up doing that much in The Incredible Hulk where the CGI feels real enough where you're not getting that, like, uh, I guess, disenfranchised feel for the scene itself where, oh, crap, oh, no, they're on me. Uh, what am I going to do? Uh, you know, it, had they sold the scenes, I probably wouldn't have noticed the CGI nearly as much. Yeah, exactly. And did you have a problem with the monkeys or no? I didn't really have that much of a problem with the monkeys. I, I must be getting old because I didn't realize it was CGI. Until after when I start listening to the podcast. Really? Seriously, I did not realize that that was CGI. Huh. Wow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I, I guess that's a good thing. Oh, well, yeah, that or my eyesight's going. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm saying, oh, he's swinging the trees. Oh, he's being Tarzan. And then I, I start listening to the to the podcast, and I'm going, that was CGI. Oh. <laughs> Well, plus, uh, I'm sure that there was definitely CGI included with the chase through the actual jungle on the cars. Oh, God. That was the best part of the movie for me. It was the best part of the movie for me as well. It's just that I could definitely tell which parts were CGI and which ones weren't. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. You could you could definitely see a cut and paste through the whole thing. It's just that by the time they were actually fencing between the two vehicles, I'm like, oh, come on. You know, it it, it was... It was interesting, but it wasn't as interesting as the whole snake as a, as a tree branch, right? Which I just thought was was cute, and then she confessed that you know that Mutt was his son, and which we saw a mile coming. Yeah. Uh, the whole thing with Ox, I just eh, just didn't care for. But all in all, I I enjoyed it. I will definitely buy it. Is it my favorite Indiana Jones film? Crusade is still my favorite. Okay, what was better, 
the fourth Die Hard or the fourth Jones? The fourth Die Hard. <laughs> <laughs> now, have you seen the actual rated R cut of Die Hard yet? No, I haven't. Okay, because I, I need to see that myself because he find you know in that one he actually gets to say his favorite line, as, right. a, as opposed to it just being you know uh, you know yippee kaye with a fuh, as it was in the PG thirteen version, which was just ugh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the movies you know revisiting them fifteen twenty years later, it doesn't have the same impact. I was reading the other day that Eddie Murphy is going to play. Um, uh, oh, Beverly Hills Cop again. Yeah, and it's going to be rated either PG or PG-13, and I just banged my head up against the wall when I heard that. Uh, no, he... he I, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, we have the box set, and it, it is one of my favorites, but he's too old. Yeah. And I've been scarred by Dreamgirls, so... <laughs> I t- he should have won. He should have won. It was, it was probably the best thing that I've ever seen him do. Because you you actually got to see what he could have been if he wasn't a comedian. If he if he wasn't wearing a fat suit. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but then again, he did Pluto Nash. Oh boy! All right, give, <laughs> give, give, give me give me your rating on Indy. Um, I'm gonna give it a three and a half. All right, all right. That's that's modest. That's modest. So, yeah, switching over to video game reviews, I got two for you right here. Now, I know that you're not much of a video game person, Lori, but you ever played a Nintendo DS? Um, no. Okay. If, if you were to play a Nintendo DS, I think this would be the sort of game that you would get, get a kick out of. Okay? It's called Cooking Mama 2. The first one was just uh, basically the same sort of thing, but in essence, what this game is all about is with your stylus, you're cooking food. <laughs> oh jeez. <laughs> so they give you recipes to follow and you've got to do the you know whatever it tells you on the screen. You know if if they give you an onion you got to chop up the onion. If you got to if you if you, if you're doing a stew and they tell you to uh, to set the heat to medium, you know with the stylus you move it over and you set it to medium. If you're you know stirring you got to stir and and that sort of stuff and you would not believe how addictive this game is. I I'm looking at the wiki page and I'm thinking, yeah, this could be fun. <laughs> Well, I, okay. It's got a picture of of Cooking Mama with, and it's like a ear of corn, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm thinking, okay, this could be interesting. But as someone who's the main cook in my family, uh, I don't know unless they're showing me something new. <laughs> okay, before we started recording this episode, I was talking about how I had my cooking experiment for the day, and I'll admit, playing Cooking Mama got me in the mood to cook. Oh, really? <laughs> yes, yes, oh, it was. It, it was a combination of being at the supermarket at the right time, reading my Bobby Flay book, and uh, playing Cooking Mama to got me in the mood to cook. Because when I see the stuff they're doing here, and they do everything. I mean, like, you, could, you, you make pizza in this game. Uh, there are soups that you make. You could do something as simple as make a hot dog in the game. But, but what they added in this, they added two things. Um, number one, uh, you, you can cook for either Mama or the kids. And 
there are certain foods you're allowed to cook for mama and there's certain foods you're allowed to cook for the kids. And this is a separate mode from the regular cooking mama mode. So you can just do regular recipes or uh, without giving it, being given instructions, you could try and cook meals for the kids, which is a lot more difficult than you would think. Oh, wow. Well, I can see that because kids are picky. Um, my only question is, is that what's the ultimate uh, goal of the game? Is it to finish dinner or is it to rack up points and open up a new menu where you have new recipes? That's actually what the, what the point of the game is, actually. Depending on how good you do, you get a medal. If you do really, really sucky and screw up at everything, you're not going to get any medal. If you do get a medal, uh, you're going to get uh, a gold, uh, you know, a bronze, a silver, or a gold. If you get a bronze, a silver, or a gold, you unlock a new recipe. Oh, okay. So then you can go and cook something new. Um, Also, what they added in this is they added a gift system where if you do something absolutely perfect, you're going to get a a special point, a special added bonus. And once you get to five of that, you get to choose between three gifts that they give you, and it opens up uh, either a new avatar or uh, sometimes a new new, uh, uh, ingredient or something like that, and Mm -hmm. uh, you can then use that for one of your things. Well, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. Do you actually get recipes that you could print and maybe use in real life? Uh, see, that it's not nearly as, as, as into it as that. However, with the game itself, you can perhaps see a dish you never even thought of making and then go online and search for the dish. You, know? uh-huh. you, you could do that if you want to. But, I mean, they do give you the full name of a dish. They don't just say, you know, spaghetti. Uh, they give you, oh, okay. you know, like spaghetti and meatballs with with whatever sauce, or uh, you know, if you're making a stew, it'll specifically be like you know, like a a, a pork stew with such and such, and, and you'll go from there. So it's it's as close to cooking as you can get on a DS. I'm not quite sure what that says about this game. <laughs> well, that just makes me wonder when's the Paula Deen edition coming out? Because then I'll get it. Oh dear, <laughs> I'm more of a Bobby Flay guy myself. I watch Throwdown all the time. Oh, throw down. They did a hot browns, and we got into an argument because I'm from Springfield, Illinois, where uh-huh. we have something called a horseshoe, which is similar to a hot brown. And and my husband spent about 30 minutes trying to tell me that a hot brown and a horseshoe are not the same thing. I, I'm, so. ju- I'm just pissed with throw down because he beat Junior's Cheesecake. No, I know. <laughs> nothing beats Junior's Cheesecake. I'm sorry. I, I, you know, he doesn't he doesn't win often, but when he does, it's like, oh, no. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, he, you know I, I think if I remember correctly, he won Eggplant Parmesan also. Yeah, yeah, he did. He came close with the donut one. Yeah. The donuts was close. Uh, what was it? Uh, was it the one? It was on last year. Was the one with the fried chicken? Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that one was, was interesting because I actually thought his recipe was better. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I love Throwdown. I think that it's one of the most brilliant shows. But since I'm a grill girl, I love his, his grilling and barbecue shows better. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. No, but makes do, perfect sense, yeah. Do you um, remember, uh, must have been eight or nine years ago, he had a live uh, Food Network show where it was in one of his restaurants, and they actually cooked the meal and discussed the meal while he was preparing it in oh, front wow. of like a studio audience? I, I, you know, I think that might have been before I had Food Network. Uh, this was this was probably eight or nine years ago, okay. and it was so much fun because he it was when he was really using all the peppers and the chipotle and mm-hmm. and it really it was an awesome show. It lasted maybe two years, mm-hmm. and you really got to see who Bobby Flay was. And I, I missed that show. 
Well, they should rerun it. I mean, you know, I mean, they, they should at least or bring it back in one fashion or another because, I mean, Bobby Flay's huge now. So why not just add one more Bobby Flay show to the rotating uh, schedule that they usually have? Well, yeah, I mean, they have shows that I don't care for. They've got, you know, Down Home with the Neelys, which I think they need to be shot. But, <laughs> <laughs> oh, I saw that show and I was like, no, I don't think so. Diners, Drive-Ins, uh, and Dives is my show, man. Oh, I love that show. Yeah. I also like uh, Sandra Sandra Lee, you know, Semi-Homemade. Right. I think mm-hmm. that's a good show. Yeah. Um, I'm not feeling Rachel these days. Oh. Uh, I, I can't stand her. <laughs> I've had too much Rachel. But um, I, I my favorite show that was taken off the air because he lied was um, uh, Dinner Robert Impossible. Irvine. Dinner Impossible. Yes. Yeah. I was heartbroken. I was like, no, he lied. Oh, no. Because I love that show. Because, I mean, first of all, the man's recipes were so simple. And he had these, you know, this mad dash of, you know, getting these this food together and he never had the supplies he never had the food and it was it was the best half hour of um, food network D- did uh, you ever see the neil patrick harris episode oh god i loved that. that that was great that was brilliant the the show is going to continue oh really yeah dinner impossible is going to continue the guy who uh and i'm blanking on his name now the guy who won the next iron chef um, oh he is going to be taking over uh the role uh for dinner impossible and i believe that they're actually making it an hour-long show as opposed to a half hour Oh, really? Yeah, so it's going to be back sometime in the fall, I think, with him. Oh, good, because that's, that's a great show. Right, yeah, because uh, just words to the wise, folks, don't whine on your resume if you're going to work for the Food Network or else you're going to lose your damn job. Exactly. <laughs> Anyway, moving on from there to another game that you might have fun with, let's talk some Mario Kart Wii. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Now, this this game, I've been playing Mario Kart for years. I have the the game for the N64 uh, that I used to play all the time, and I have the DS version, which is a lot of fun in and of itself. This game here is a little bit different. Now, the main difference is, as opposed to... You know, using a old-fashioned controller, you're using the Wiimote, and mm-hmm. you're taking your Wiimote, and you're putting it inside of a steering wheel. So, oh. Yeah, so there's, a, there's actually a, a wireless steering wheel you're using to control all your actions inside the game, which is new and exciting. <laughs> it sounds like something I need to get marked for uh, Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh the wheel itself, uh, I bought two. I haven't had a chance to use a second one yet. But uh, you can actually, uh, just like with a lot of games for the Wii, you do have multiple options with this. So if you have like a, an old GameCube controller, you can use that uh, as your third controller if you want to. Uh, you can just do uh, Nunchuck and uh, Wiimote if you want to, or just Wiimote along by itself. Or you could go the route of, of the wheel. And with the wheel, um, I've actually found it's kind of smooth. Uh, a lot of the people that uh, reviewed it at first had a little bit of trouble with the wheel, thinking that it, it, it might have been uh, kind of weird not to have a wire connecting your wheel to something. 
because mm-hmm. uh, everybody's so used to that. But I, I don't know. It wasn't that much of a deal to me. It's also a, a bit small, so if you do have huge hands, uh, the wheel's not going to be for you. But I think mm-hmm. my hands are just the right size. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I remember the Mario series. I remember the movie. Mario's been around for a long, long time. And I'm looking at the wiki page, and it does look like it's a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. I'm waiting for the Wii Fit. So I can get one, oh, yeah. you know, because I just think that that looks like so much fun. But this looks like something that I would actually probably play. Well, and uh, what, 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 another thing that they add to this, too, and I'm not sure if this would be something that you would use because it's a little more advanced, but you can go online for the first time ever with Mario Kart. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. You can play oh, my anybody, anybody, like anybody around the world. Anybody around the world. So uh, as long as you friend them, which is the pain in the ass of Nintendo, you know, you got to input this damn friend code, which is different every single time. What the hell, Nintendo? <laughs> I have a different friend code for Smash Brothers than I do for Mario Kart Wii. Oh, jeez. So whoever thought this up needs to be taken back and shot. I'm sorry. <laughs> jeez. Well, is this the with the Mario Kart? Uh, is this the uh, first version of it? Second version of it? This is the first version for the Wii. This is the fourth version overall. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Actually, the fifth version. Now that I think about it, because there there was the first one was for the SNES. Mm-hmm. Uh, then there was Mario Kart sixty four. Then there was Double Dash for the GameCube, uh, Mario Kart DS, and now Mario Kart Wii. Oh, okay. Well, just for people who are curious, and I am curious, how much does this all cost? Um, I believe the game itself uh, cost me uh, fifty nine. I believe uh, mm-hmm. so they 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 add an extra ten bucks for the wheel, which is not too terrible. The wheel itself is only about uh, ten or fourteen bucks uh, alone by itself, so that's not too terrible. So, mm-hmm. if you're going to buy two wheels, it's going to cost you maybe seventy. Okay. Now, is this sold out everywhere, or you can just walk into Fry's and get it? You should be able to walk into Fry's and get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. It, it shouldn't be too terrible. If they're out of it, I'm sure the next place is going to have it, because uh, uh, a, lot, a lot of the uh, problems that Nintendo has been having lately has been really big sales on the, on the day it comes out, and then nothing afterwards. Okay, because the Wii out here, well, my friend got her son when the Wii first came out, mm-hmm. and she didn't have any problems, but... The last, oh, I'd say six or seven months out here in San Jose, finding a Wii is kind of hard. It's still hard to get a Wii all over the country. The games, mm. however, are nice and easy to get. Okay. Yeah. Because she she was telling, oh, my son's done with the Wii. We're moving on to something else. And I'm like, really? <laughs> wow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no. This kid, I swear to God, this kid's 15 years old, uh-huh. and she pre-orders every game oh, for this kid. Oh, God. I mean, they are there at midnight. She'll take a nap. She'll get up at 11.30. They go. The kid has got everything. All right. I didn't have a... Okay, well, actually, it started changing with the PlayStation 2, but I got my NES when I was, like, maybe five years old, maybe a little older than that. Mm -hmm. I I didn't get my Genesis until about two years before the Genesis was obsolete. Oh, geez. So at that point, the Genesis had been out for, what, five years? Mm Mm-hmm. So then I get my N64... About a year before it's obsolete. Now I'm like, okay, I'm two for two here, so and it's not really going too well. So I made myself a pledge. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. I'm getting myself a PS2 the minute it comes out. And the PS2 mm. was good for six years. You know, mm-hmm. all problems solved. I got myself right. my Wii November of last year because I'm lucky mm-hmm. enough to live in New York where there's a Nintendo store. Right, right. So all I got to do well, is basically just walk in and they're there. Well, you know, with, with my friend, I mean, this kid, like I said, he gets everything the day it comes out. I don't know how she manages to get a copy, but 
when uh, was it Grand Theft Auto whatever yeah. came out yeah. a couple weeks ago? Yeah. I don't know how she did it. She got it four hours early. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, it's people like that that shit, man. They make us all look bad. Well, what was bad about it is that 24 hours later, we're, we're sitting and we're, you know, at her coffee table. We're talking. And he walks in and goes, I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, give me something else. And, and I'm like, you're, you're, you're done? <laughs> and that's something that the Wii actually gives me. I can go back and play a Wii game and it'll still be fun, you know, because as opposed to the over and done feel of a lot of video games out there. Uh, I'm not getting that so far with the Wii. I, I still have my, I have Marvel Ultimate Alliance, which I haven't finished yet. I still need to. But it's, it's a very fun game that you just sit down and play and enjoy. Smash Brothers never gets old. You'll be able to sit there and face your friends, your Solid Snake, and their Yoshi. How could that not oh, be fun? You know? Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I think we've got Marvel Alliance for, what, just a second. What, what gaming system do you have? Xbox? Yes, he's got Marvel Alliance, I think, for the Xbox. Okay, cool. Okay. And then he got me, I bought it, uh, we've got the Star Wars Lego. Oh, thing. yeah, Lego Star Wars, yeah. yeah. Yes, and I thought they were so cute, and I think I looked at it for like 10 minutes, and then I lost interest. In Lego Batman comes out soon. I know, I know. I'm, I'm collecting the Lego games, because isn't there Indiana Jones coming out? Uh, yeah, there's a Lego Indie and a Lego Batman coming out. Ooh. I'll, I'll probably will buy it. I'll spend 10 minutes attempting to play it, but all the little buttons and stuff mm-hmm. drives me nuts. And that's something that you don't have to worry about that much with the Wii. Because mm. uh, there's really only four main buttons to use. That's it. Mm. You, know, you got yourself the A button, the B button, uh, the up and you got the plus and the minus, which uh, really are only basically like the start and select buttons most of the time. Mm. And, and you've got the two buttons on the, uh, on the nunchuck, and that's it. See, the nunchucks intrigue me because I, I picture myself, if I am going to get into gaming, I'm going to get a Wii, mm-hmm. and I'm going to move my curio cabinet and everything out of the way so that when the little Wii controller flies off my wrist and goes toward my TV, I don't damage anything. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why you make sure you have a nice, good, old-fashioned strap, and you use it every yeah. single time. Yeah. Yeah, but I, I am fascinated by the Wii. I will eventually get one. It's just that... As far as gaming, I've never been into gaming other than Dungeons and Dragons. Right. But uh, this is probably the one entertainment uh, unit, I don't know if that's the proper name, that I am intrigued by. Okay. Uh, I'm going to give uh, four out of – actually, I'm just screw it. I'm giving five out of five for both of them. They're fun games. So <laughs> five out of five for Cooking Mama 2 and five out of five for Mario Kart Wii. Go out there. I'm a, a Nintendo crazy person right now, and I'm giving them both good grades. So uh, uh, back to movies with you, right? Uh, before we do that, I think I'm going to give both of them a four. Okay. Just on looks alone. Okay. <laughs> That'll work. Well, hey, it got you interested, so that, I guess that's a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. So you got, uh, as I like to call it, the favorite stoner movie of America to talk about, right? Oh, God. We went, and it was it was a group of 30 and up, and we went with uh, 
the young ones, meaning they were 26 and 27. Okay. It was kind of fun because when we saw Harold and Kumar, I, of course, have seen it. I'm, I'm more of a super troopers, Harold and Kumar type of a person. Okay. So smart. My best friend, Tracy, went. Uh, the other one we went with, the one that has the son that gets everything, she just sort of sat there. <laughs> <laughs> this seems like a very fun person. Well, she's never seen the first Harold and Kumar movie, so we described it to her. And she was like, oh, okay. Now, mind you, being over 35, uh-huh. uh, this is how our weekends go. We get on the phone. We talk. We make plans to get together for Saturday night. We then go out and we purchase all the different flavors of Malibu rum. <laughs> <laughs> our current favorite is banana. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> then we get the Dole pineapple juice or various juices, and we sit and we, we drink and we you know talk and you know and we watch crazy movies. Mm-hmm. And this was I think we were doing uh, passion fruit when we were talking about going to see the movie. So okay. we go see the movie. We're of course you know excited because it's got Neil Patrick Harris. What would Neil Patrick Harris do? And we sit down, and we're at one of the older theaters uh, here in San Jose. Uh, it's one of those dome-shaped from the 70s. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of cool, really small seats. And we get in, and it starts. And I'm laughing my ass off from the moment I start watching it till the end. Uh, Bump on the log is like, eh, it's okay. <laughs> <laughs> now, I refuse to see any Howard and Kumar movie in the theaters because I believe it is strictly a DVD experience. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I just – I couldn't wait because I have such good memories of the first movie. Uh-huh. I mean that that scene in the Corvette and the top and the girl and the Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> I, up. Oh, God. And then when I found out that he was gay, I just – I was like, oh, that's good acting. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, well, hey, I mean come on. He plays uh, you know one of the straightest guys on How I Met Your Mother. I just start watching that a couple weeks ago. That is so good. Yeah. He plays Barney, right? Yeah, Barney. Mm-hmm. Oh, God. It yeah. was absolutely hysterical. I just pre-ordered uh, I uh, season two. on Actually, not pre-ordered. I, I ordered season two, so I'm, I'm going to get that because I, I watch it religiously. Mm-hmm. There's a quick, uh, I think it's like a 28-minute free download off of iTunes. It's like a recap of How I Met Your Mother, and it is absolutely brilliant. Oh, cool. I'll have to remember that uh, to get some more of my friends into it. Now, the one thing I will say about uh, this movie is that while it was funny, it wasn't as gag-related as the first movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that there were some parts where it's definitely slow, but it, it it lived up to what you thought the movie would be. I thought that the part where they were only in Gitmo for maybe... 10 minutes of the movie and then they escape and how they escape was so, so hysterical. They just walked out. Damn it. Now I can't wait to see this freaking movie. They just sort of walk out and they wind up at their friend who is a uh, drug dealer. And I'm going to get a little graphic here. Have you seen the movie at all? Uh, no, no, I, I haven't seen the second one at all. No. Okay. There, I'll see if I can describe this as ladylike as possible. Okay. Their friend. All right. All right. First off, first off, it's one of my shows. You can be as graphic as you want. Okay, they – I can't believe I'm saying this. My grandmother would kill me if she was like – they walk into a pussy party. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> their, their friend is, is – I guess he's a drug dealer in Miami, and they're tired. And, of course, you know, John Cho is like, you're an idiot. I'm going to kill you. You know, that whole thing, mm-hmm. right? So Harold is all pissed off, and Kumar is like, oh, no, no, our friend. Well, they open – they knock on the door, and there's this girl, and she's not wearing any bottoms. Mm-hmm. And they're like, whoa, what is this? And then they walk in, they realize that none of the women have bottoms. 
So they get to the pool area, and their friend's like, oh, yeah, yeah, this is my bed. He goes, everybody does topless. He goes, I'm doing bottomless. And in order to help them, they have to basically remove their bottoms. So they do, and they go, well, what about you? He goes, dude, I've been here the whole time. And he rises up out of the water, and he's got the hairiest damn crotch you've ever seen. (laughs) It's just like, my eyes, my eyes. Um, It was absolutely hysterical. There's another scene in the movie where they're on the run, and they uh, meet literally meet the hillbillies Mm -hmm. and this house is like ma and pa kettle it's just you know the dog the the butter churn it's just screwed up from the floor up beverly hillbillies uh before they were they went to beverly yeah yeah they walk into the house manhattan townhouse it's got (laughs) (laughs) it's got all the electronics it's got an hdtv it's got a (laughs) sub-zero fridge It is visually, it is hysterical, and so they're they're feeding them dinner and their stuff. And what do you think? We're a bunch of hicks. We got our uh, our three eyed son in the basement. And they're like, no, 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 no. Well, it turns out they did. <laughs> All right, I'm sold on it. I'm sold it's, on it. I'll be sitting down there and watching it when it comes out on DVD. Is absolutely hysterical, uh. and and I will say that. These type of movies, while a lot of people don't like them, you have to have one of these type of movies come out at least once a year. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's good fun uh, if you are mature enough to handle the humor, or if maybe if you're not. Um, it, it just it, it gives me hope that one day I'll get Super Troopers Part 2 and it'll be good, not Club Dread. <laughs> All right, you know what? It's it's sort of uh, – it's a type of movie that screams to me, uh, sure, if you're into marijuana, that's fine, but you know that's illegal, so I can't actually mention that. And I've never tried it in my life, so I wouldn't know. But uh, it, it's a type of movie where I'd sit down uh, you know, with a bunch of beers, tortilla chips and dip, and just start cracking up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's also a repeater movie. Mm-hmm. It's one of those movies where, and again, we work at a strange place, but we'll just be having a conversation at break, and all of a sudden we'll start doing lines from any of these movies. <laughs> and everyone's just looking at us like, okay, you guys are crazy. That, that, that's how I am with the show Frisky Dingo on Adult Swim. I will just, oh, ra- I just yes. randomly start breaking out, and you know, we can never go back to Arizona. <laughs> So I, I recommend Harold and Kumar uh, Escape from Gitmo Bay. It's a great movie. It's mindless fun, and you just got to see it. Does it get the five out of five? Yes, it does. Excellent. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna roll on here to some technology news real quick, and uh, well, it's not news, just review, and then I guess we could talk about our joint venture because we can both make comments on Newsarama. But I got to, actually just yes, wait, was it yesterday? Yeah, for yesterday, for, uh, no Tuesday. There we go, Tuesday. I got myself a brand new USB hard drive because mm. editing the show. I was coming dangerously close to being completely out of space on my, like, 150 gigabyte that my friend gave me because about 120 of it are every episode of Mystery Science Theater that ever existed. 
So, so uh, it's kind of hard to work with something that only has like 20 gigs on it when you're, you know, editing shows that are using WAV files and all that. So I was like, all right, I need something else. So I went to Staples. They were having a deal, and I bought myself the Seagate Free Agent 500 gigabyte USB hard drive. Uh, it was 99.99. So for not bad. 100 bucks, I got 500 gigs, which, which is, you know, I would have never thought five years ago that something that at the time would have cost at least 500 bucks for 500 gigs is now 100. Oh, geez. Yeah. They have terabyte drives now. They have like four terabyte drives that you could buy for like 600 bucks if you wanted to. One of my friends, uh, Arnie Cavullo, who does the uh, Star Wars Action News, mm-hmm. two years ago, he bought a terabyte terabyte and he was literally going oh i got a terabyte he was so excited <laughs> so i can imagine you know now what he's you know jumping for joy um seagate is is interesting because when you sent the show notes mm-hmm. i was like oh seagate now i don't know if you have a good idea of where i live out here in california uh not entirely no okay i live in santa clara which is a suburb of san jose okay which is 40 miles either direction san francisco or Santa Cruz. Okay. Seagate's headquarters is in Santa Cruz. Okay. Everyone hates Seagate. <laughs> okay. Because between them and the Lipton Tea Factory, mm-hmm. uh, those were the main employers in Santa Cruz for years besides yeah. San Lorenzo Lumber. And they had a massive layoff about yeah. eight years ago. They laid off half the plant. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. They left 130 employees. Oh, crap. Out of, I think, 4,000. Oh, dear. Yeah. So Seagate is not a topic that people in Santa Cruz really want to talk about. See, so I thought that was funny when you, when you emailed me. I'm going, oh, I know Seagate. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I basically went with Seagate because there's a gated community in Brooklyn called Seagate. Mm-hmm. And I thought, hey, that's funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> had, had I had known about the layoff, maybe I would have uh, thought a little different. Well, see, I didn't know this until after the fact because one of my best friends, I, I sort of referenced it on the board. Remember I was saying I couldn't go on vacation because of a certain friend? Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, she lives in Santa Cruz, and one day we were talking about you know the big tech boom and how we live through it and how everyone doesn't have a job. And, and I mentioned Seagate, and I got a 20-minute rant oh, boy. about that. And I, my, my ex was a computer guy, and he used a lot of Seagate products, and my, my current – uses a lot of technology, and he's always looking for um, hard drives. Mm-hmm. So when I mentioned, you know, about CK, his eyes lit up because today we had our first experience with the Kindle. Ah, okay, yeah. Yes. Or, or, or as I like to call it, Amazon's baby. My boss brought in his Father's Day gift, which was the Kindle. Mm-hmm. And normally he doesn't let us touch any of his tech that he brings in. I had a full 45 minutes messing with this thing, me and, me and Mark, and we were like, oh, we're in love. If, if, if they made it color, I would buy a Kindle because the Kindle would be the best comic book reader ever made. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the, the screen alone. And, and my, my husband's biggest thing is that, you know, he's thinking, well, just a second. What was the other company that besides the Kindle? Huh? Sony. He's saying that yeah. he prefers the Sony instead Sony of the Kindle. E-reader. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. yeah. Mm-hmm. But it, it's it's a beautiful piece of tech. Yeah, Sony's e-reader is a little. Uh, I know that it's a little thinner, so it's not nearly as bulky to put in your hands. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, I'm sure that the Kindle is going to get better as it goes along because I mean this is only the first version. Yeah, and, and that's what I was telling him today when we were driving home. I said I like it a lot. 
but just a basic design. It looks like, you know, your very first laptop, you might want to give it a few more generations. Right, right. But it, it was, I admit, it was beautiful. Well, well <laughs> with, with this Seagate free agent that I got, it takes up the amount of space on a desk that a stapler does. Really? Yeah. It, it's, it's, wow. t- it's tall, but lengthwise, it's the, it's the length of a stapler, which, which is great because I'm using it for my laptop. So right. I've got it on the same table as my laptop, and it, it, I, I'm, I'm good to go. That's it. Uh, oh. Even in even in, in height, it's not that bad. I mean, it's it's slim in all aspects. The base mm-hmm. is, is the biggest part of it, but the, you need the base or else it's going to be toppling over all the time. Right, right. And uh, my only issue with Seagate right now is uh, I, I found this out after I bought the product, is that they don't actually have a data replacement plan, which means that if your drive uh, malfunctions and your data is still on it, you can't get your data back. Oh. Unless you open up the case yourself, void the warranty, and you know, uh, then you're unable to bring it back to them in the first place, they're just going to give you a new drive. Now, is this usually normal with this type of thing, or no? Um, I believe it's more normal than, than people would like. Uh, really? It's, it's the sort of thing where if you find the right company... You'll end up getting your, your your you know just just transferring your hard drive over or transferring your data over. But mm-hmm. most, most companies would just much rather take the defective device, fix it themselves, and give you a new one, and then take that def- defective device and give it to another uh, retailer as a refurbished once they fix it and make more money off of it that way. Oh wow! Which is a lot of a lot of the times what they end up doing. Um, right. With, with my Zen. Uh, when I brought in my, my Zen Vision M, I got back a brand new Zen. You know, it, it, uh-huh. it was entirely clean. It didn't have any any scratches on it, and it was, uh, you know, no data on it whatsoever because that's the way it goes. Uh, so I'm not that surprised with the Seagate, but there are no ways to open up the case of the Seagate unless you're going to void the warranty. Oh, geez. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this: How long before you will you know fill this up? Uh, Is this- a long time. <laughs> It's 500 gigabytes right now. Uh, as a test, you know, just to be be on the safe side. It, it, I want to make sure that it doesn't, you know, uh, destroy itself in the next couple of uh, days. But I have, I actually moved over all my music files and all my video files from my laptop onto this Z, onto this Seagate drive because uh, I, I didn't get rid of the originals yet. But if, if this drive lasts more than the next month, I'm going to get rid of those on my on my on my laptop. Because oh, okay. I'm, I'm not going to be that upset if I lose that stuff because it's all stuff that's replaceable anyway. Um, and I don't have enough space on my laptop where uh, just by moving my uh, podcasts off of there and onto the on, onto the Seagate drive, I freed up about 5% of my laptop's hard drive. Really? Yeah. And this is all the wow. stuff that I listen to, not even the stuff that I'm working on. This that is impressive. This 500 gigabyte hard drive is bigger than than my laptop's hard drive by at least uh, I think 70. percent So I'm good. Wow. <laughs> and you, so, so far, wow. I gave it a ringing endorsement. Oh, it sounds like it sounds yeah. like something I need to look into. <laughs> yeah. it's, just, it's just you know just know that if it breaks, either uh, you know even if it's just like one of the components, you're either going to have to break into it yourself. And get the hard drive out, and you know, either buy a new con- enclosure for yourself and work with it that way, or uh, you're you're shit out of luck when it comes to your stuff. Mm. Sort of like every every couple of weeks when I decide to go down to Cupertino and I drive past Apple headquarters, mm-hmm. and I'm thinking to myself, iPod, don't die, battery ascended. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. 
exactly, 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 exactly. So for now, I'm going to hold off on review, on giving it a firm five out of whatever or out of five because I've only just gotten it. But so far, I'm impressed. Oh, and actually, one of the other statements I want to make about it, it's so quiet, you don't even know it's there. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's it, a good thing. It barely hums. Uh, if you put your hand on it, you'll feel it vibrating a little bit. That's as mm-hmm. close as you get. Oh, that's not bad. Yeah. That's that's actually preferred because I'm one of these people where I hate noise. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I keep I turn off the audio on my uh, laptop at work and mm-hmm. my my laptop at home because I just hate noise. Yeah. So. Yeah. My, my my laptop's fan makes more noise than this USB hard drive. That is interesting. Yeah. So, uh, real quick here, because it's not really going to need that much before we go on to the geek news. The Newsarama redesign. Uh, for anybody out yeah. there who, uh, you know, reads Newsarama, it used to just be a comic site. Not anymore. And uh, completely got redesigned now. Basically, it looks like, well, almost exactly like comic book resources looks now. <laughs> which, which is how I felt. The only, the only difference is that, as opposed to just being a comic site now, the comic news that used to be on the front page is now related to the comic section. Mm. So, uh, what are what are your opinions on the current newsrama? Uh, I'm not a fan. Uh, I think it was last week when it was on the forums. There was a link to it, and I went to it. And I looked at it. And I'm going, hmm, pretty slick. And I promptly uh, clicked out of it and went on to surfing forums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I uh, comic book resources is my preferred uh, news vendor. Uh-huh. Uh, newsrama has always been interesting, but the new design, it's a little too slick for me. Not a fan. Well, you know what their biggest mistake was, and I'm going to stick by this. As opposed to keeping the, their original forums, which had years and years and years of old posts, they decided to make new forums. Yeah. Yeah. Which was a huge mistake. Because not only were there glitches where you couldn't even log into your old accounts at first, which have since been fixed, but the fact that they were there in the first place means that they didn't even bother to test things ahead of time, and they're doing a quote-unquote beta, which means, oh, well, you know, it's in beta. We don't have to worry about that. Well, guess what? Gmail's in beta, too, and it works perfectly fine. You know, Gmail's never going to get out of beta. That's how Google says, like, oh, it's in beta. That's why it happened. With this one, they just put it out there so they wouldn't have to say to anybody, oh, well, this is the finished product. No, this is the beta, whatever. They didn't bother taking any of the old data and transferring it over. The only thing that got transferred over were the actual accounts. So post counts got lost. You can't actually access any of the old stuff. It's all locked up. And they made a huge snafu on that because the only reason that they even have a website is because people visit it and participate in it. So if you take away the participation, where where does that leave people? Yeah, because Newsarama used to be just this great source of you know quickly looking up things and right. reading what people think and it was it was a it was like a smash and grab you know mm-hmm. i see something i hear something i go i check it out and then i'm out mm-hmm. and i i honestly don't think i will be uh looking at this website all that much i'll just stick with cbr the first time i saw a top 10 list on their comic site i said hello wizard oh yeah <laughs> Yeah. Eh, whatever. I'm, I'm trying out some new websites out there. I, I found, uh, what is it, Comic Express or something like that, uh, that, mm-hmm. that looked kind of interesting and had some decent stuff on it. And I thought I have, like, contributors from, like, Denny O'Neill and stuff like that, which is kind of fun. Mm. But, uh, yeah, for now, I'm just sort of on the fence with Newsarama. I'm going to try it out. If I continue to not like it, well, there's always CBR. Yeah, this is true. Yeah. All right, so you ready to move on to the news? Sure. All right. Head on over to the Geek News. Geek News. 
time for the Geek News, and we'll start off with Lori here with the biggest piece of news that I'm sure every single person out there knows about already, but uh, there's this phone that Apple does. Yep, they have a new edition of the iPhone. <laughs> yeah, you, you want to run down a little bit? Um, first of all, let me just say that I am still working off of an old iPod. Uh, my whole view of technology is I want at least two generations to go through before I actually buy a product. Mm-hmm. Um, the iPhone, it looks pretty good. I like it. I think that it is something that I will eventually get, but I'm leaning more toward an iTouch. The price, if you add in uh, everything that you need to get the services, uh, I heard, I think it was Comic Geek Speak, it's actually going to cost you more to get the new iPhone than if you got the original. Uh, it, and, it depends. It depends, really. It, depend, it depends on if you're getting the data plan, which you obviously are. Right. And uh, you, you have to get the two-year agreement, which sucks. Uh, they're actually now, I don't know if you, if you heard this, they're making you activate your phones in the store, which means oh, really? that gets rid of the jailbreaking. Uh-huh. Because, uh-huh. obviously, if your phone's already activated, you can't do anything about it. Mm. So they're forcing you to get a new two-year agreement. Yeah. Well, it says here that the what's new, and I'm looking on Apple's page, it's got the, uh, was it the 3G speed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, cellular networks. It's got maps with GPS. Um, I have a TomTom. I don't need GPS. Well, <laughs> funny, funny you should mention that, though, because TomTom's actually developing a software for the, iPhone, for the iPhones. People who don't have a TomTom will, in essence, have a TomTom. Well, see... I have issues with TomTom anyway, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, it, you go the wrong direction, it gets louder, <laughs> which is annoying. Well, it, um, does it do the whole recalculating? Yes, oh, yes it does. Oh, God, I hate or that. Or turn left. Yeah. It keeps going, turn left, well, turn left. When, when, um, when we were trying to get the CGS, well, to me, at that time it was just CGS 300. We were trying to get the CGS 300. Uh, it, it, it drove us into a dead end at one point. And then, of course, you did recalculating, and we're just like, gee, thanks. Well, it says here it's got better email management. It's got uh, contact search. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's got a scientific cal- uh, calculator. Huh. Well. Hmm. Hmm. That's something I'm going to use every day. <laughs> <laughs> well, come on. You don't need your Texas instrument now. Yeah, well. <laughs> um, I, I think it's cool. Um, I think that it's going to be bigger and better as as time goes on. Um, I think that for my money, uh, an iTouch, a new version of the iTouch, is something that I'll need uh, in my life more than I will need an iPhone. Unfortunately, I work at a place where we're not allowed to have camera phones. Ooh. So you're basically stuck with a little ratty little Nokia, Uh or you can get a... um, There's a a phone that my husband found that's by Sprint. It's like a black uh, rubber-type phone with a GPS enabled. And that's about it. We can't even have uh, sliding phones with text because they consider that a PDA. Jesus. You can't have have Blackberries. You can't have any of that stuff. So So, in theory, I, I like the new iPhone. But for someone like me who spends nine hours a day as a defense contractor, I can still use my old iPod. Will I get this later on? I probably will get it next year mm-hmm. if I do get it at all. But right now, it's definitely the iTouch. But for people who are really jazzed about the new iPhone, I think it's going to be the coolest thing. Yes, I will go to the Apple store, and yes, I will drool <laughs> because I do that like at least once a month uh, just to get my little d- Apple d- fix. D- does your Apple store smell like fanboy funk also? Actually, it's inside of a, uh, a vanity mall. Uh-huh. 
and it is very, very clean. It's got nice displays, and it, it doesn't have the geek smell at all. Good. It's got the rich money smell to it. Yeah, <laughs> Our, ours smells like a combination of fanboy funk and the kebabs that are outside. Oh, geez. Uh, if you go to Reno, there's a little strip mall that's sort of ritzy, and it's right outside of uh, Sparks. And there's an Apple store, and that is the biggest Apple store I've ever seen in my life. Wow. And it is – it was cool because we walked in, and my, my other friend's parents have a house there, so we were up there for the weekend. And we walk in, and they had every color, every model. They had a back stock <laughs> of everything. Oh, how pretty. Well, the, the, the one they just opened up amazing. in Boston is supposed to be amazing, too. I heard that. Yeah. yeah. I'll have to check yeah. that out because I haven't actually been to Boston for anything other than a convention in a while. So well, next time I'm actually in Boston to do something other than that, I'll have to check out their, uh, their <laughs> Apple store. Yeah, let's, let's move over from the iPhone that everybody knows about already. So let's move over to that, too. What would you do if your work blocked Facebook? <laughs> <laughs> This is well, let ridiculous. This, <laughs> let me put it this way. Uh-huh. Comic Geek Speaks forums are blocked at work. Oh. <laughs> so you're pulling out your hair, huh? The only thing that I could pull up is Raging Bullets. Wow. That is the only thing. Every If it's comic related or if it's technology related or geek related, it's been blocked. It, now, is this because of you or is, was it done ahead of time? It, well, it was kind of both, actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, I, I, I should say that I, I, I share an office uh, with a woman, and then there's another uh, – ours is the inner office. And listening to podcasts when you're listening to someone's country western radio can uh-huh. cause conflict. <laughs> and I was asked to not play podcasts for about a year, <laughs> and it basically killed me. They finally have let me play my podcast again if I keep it at a decent level. And and I can't surf the net. I can get on to comic book noise occasionally. I can occasionally get on to the forums, but I get the nice, this is a warning from work. You can't, you're really not supposed to be here. Right. So it's been blocked. Yeah. But as far as... Quitting my job over Facebook? Um, no. <laughs> well, this story in <laughs> – let me read this here. A recent survey by IT services provider Telindus, I think, found that a whopping 39% of 18 to 24-year-olds would consider leaving their jobs if a Facebook ban was imposed, reports VNUNet.com. Another 21% said they'd feel annoyed by such a ban. I assume Talindis did the survey before the last dismal job reports, <laughs> and I, I guess so, because, all right, all right, I, I admit that I surfed the web at my job a little bit, uh, mostly because, well, you can only watch so many Pokemon episodes before your brain explodes, but if they were blocked, they'd be blocked. I'd yeah. move on. Such is yeah. life. Yeah. What do I do when I get home? I surf the web. I can go without it for a few hours yeah I, I i think that in this economy and the fact that jobs are at a premium i think that if your company tells you that you can't go to site a b or c mm-hmm. then that's just the way it is yeah you, you need a job i mean if you're under 30 and you're trying to take whatever career or job you have seriously there are certain things you need to leave at the door right and being able to surf you know, either the forums or certain websites, it would be nice. But at the end of the day, you're there 
to do a job and they're paying you the money. So if they tell you you can't do that, then I really don't think you have much uh, room to argue. It is their home, not yours. Well, at least you can listen to Raging Bullets now because by the time you're done with the Raging Bullets episode, your day is over. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, more like combined Raging Bullets with an episode of my show, and then your day is over. <laughs> oh, I start out on Fridays. I'm usually by myself, and I, I save Raging Bullets, and I start that off first. Then I put in comic timing. <laughs> then I put in a half hour wasted. Then I go to John Suntress because I love his voice. Oh, yeah. And then if there's anything fun, I'll play that, and then I'll just replay uh, Raging Bullets again. <laughs> <laughs> Because you just can't get enough Sean and Jim. Well, you know, I'm a DC person, and boy, do they get in depth in their stuff. Oh, you know? yes. But I can't listen to certain things at work. I can't listen to the Fixer's Hideout at work. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, explaining certain cultural things to other people can be a problem. <laughs> At times, so I just I I I was I think I posted I was listening to Geek Brunch and they got a little bit out there and uh, my husband who was waiting for me to finish up work is like should you be playing that I'm like oh it's okay it's okay <laughs> well well you know it's it's like when uh, when Wrath gets into saying his parents are dead enough times oh god I know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, wait, wait, wait until you hear the episode I just uh, recorded with uh, Chris Chavez, Equinox. Uh, he starts oh, off the show in a beautiful, beautiful fashion. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> Since we're talking about comics already, so uh, some Chuck Dixon news for all the comic fans out there, and it ain't good. Oh, God. When I read this last night, I was like, oh, really? <laughs> I'm no longer working with DC. I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. Um, I went to the Dixon verse and I was looking at that and I'm going, wow. And so I pulled up the wiki page and I'm reading it and, and I already knew a lot about Chuck Dixon. And I think it's sort of sad because all of the DC writers that I like are, are leaving because they're dissatisfied with the way that, uh, DC's dealing with them. Mm-hmm. And this is just another one who is leaving. Yeah. We're getting some Marvel people. We're getting, you know, Mark Bagley. We're, we're getting a uh, J, uh, J Michael Straczynski, but I, this is a period of time where they're beginning to go to each other's companies. Right. And this is either good or bad. I just pray that Jeff Johns never hears of a company <laughs> called Marvel. Well, <laughs> hey, his Avengers run. Still one of my favorites. Yeah, but I'm enjoying what he's doing now. I you know. know, no, so am I. So am I. I mean, I mean, come on, Booster Gold's my favorite book every month. So I mean, I'll, oh, yeah. I'll say that. Oh, yeah. But uh, you know, and JSA is fantastic. Oh well, yeah. It's just that I. It's not so much discussing Chuck Dixon as more along the lines of they are whatever Dan Dio is doing. They need to stop because we cannot afford have any more any more of our good writers to leave. And people thought Casada was bad. Uh, well, I got issues with Casada, but <laughs> I, I think I think that well, I, the most successful uh, transition from one company to another, in my opinion, was Jimmy Palmiotti and Justin Gray. Yes, yes, uh, that was that was very very successful. Uh, I think that with the business model that Marvel has, if uh, Chuck Dixon does decide to go over to Marvel, uh, he's going to run up against some roadblocks, and it, it's. It's making me sad and it's making me nervous because I'm thinking, okay, who's next? Is Gail Simone going to get pissed off and is she going to go back over? Or? I doubt it. I doubt it. She, she's writing uh, the character she was born to write right now, so I doubt she's yeah. going anywhere. 
Yeah, but you and I both know that after, say, six or seven months, if something comes up and that the sales aren't good, mm-hmm. then they'll, they'll start doing the double right. talk. And right. next thing you know, she's off the Boom Studios. Well, what, what I was pissed about specifically recently, and we're not going to get that far into comics because obviously that's what comic timing is for. But what I got pissed about most recently, and this might be you know one of the reasons that Dixon left. I doubt this is the specific reason. But when Morrison mentioned that Countdown was made – with his basic outline of Final Crisis, and that DC basically made Countdown to have another 52-issue series, even though they were saying when it started that it was going to be the quote-unquote backbone of the DCU. I stuck with it, thinking that I would need to know what was happening in this to know about what was happening in Final Crisis, because it was called Countdown to Final Crisis. Right, yeah. And and to find out it was bullshit. Yeah, see, I I hadn't heard that until just now, and I I don't know if it was Derek last night or if it was somebody, but basically you didn't have to read uh, Countdown to Final Crisis, just read 52, you know, and just move into Final Crisis. I I think that the the trend of browbeating your writers into writing something to fit another writer, Grant Morrison, uh, is going to cause a lot of problems because I think that by losing uh, Chuck Dixon, they're losing one of the better seasoned writers that Mm -hmm. they have. And what he's done with Batman and with Nightwing and with Robin and Birds of Prey, he he really strengthened the Bat family to the point where Gail Simone could take over. You know, he is one of the ones where they should give him respect. And it, it sounds like whatever went down. They just sort of like, okay, you're no longer the hot, hot writer. You're just a lukewarm writer, and we're not going to accommodate you. And no, they should be kissing the man's feet. The third writer for Batman and the Outsiders in 13 issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. That's and, and the Outsiders was a great book, and now it's like, oh, I don't know. All right, but but anyway, yeah. So fans of fans of uh, DC and uh, fans, of, well, maybe even fans of Marvel. Uh, fans of Marvel might be happy, but fans of DC are kind of pissed right now. Yep. And keeping in the vein of uh, comic books in one way or another, although this isn't just comic books, I've always enjoyed custom things on this show. I've mm. enjoyed hacks. I've enjoyed mods. Well, here's custom action figures, and you've got the best custom action figures you can find on the internet right here at kylerobinsoncustoms.com. He does stuff for Toy Fair all the time. Uh, That's how good he is. He'll create customs for them, you know, uh, obviously via commission that looks stunning. I mean, he's created wanted customs for them, Jean Grey customs, uh, Transformers customs. That just looks superb. He did an entire run of Jim Lee 90s X-Men that he made uh, basically for himself. I mean, he ended up selling off some of them, but uh, that he made it look perfect. I mean, you would swear that these were just regular Marvel Legends. Oh, yeah. I was looking at the website earlier, and I'm blown away by it. I just think that the work is extremely beautiful. Yeah. Uh, and especially the stuff he's done with the uh, the Iron Man movie stuff. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. Oh, Because yeah. some of the coloring jobs on the official ones were just kind of dull and bland, and he just emphasizes all of the details in these figures so well. But the stealth version and, and even the regular Iron Man movie version uh, just looks oh, so yeah. much better because of him. Well, the one that, that I'm looking at right now is the original tech armor Iron Man, mm-hmm. uh, D.O.B. Yeah. Uh, oh, my God, is it amazing. <laughs> I mean, it, it just it makes me wish that this is the way it was drawn. <laughs> <laughs> well, most specifically, my favorite custom he's done, he does a modern Deadpool, which mm-hmm. looks mm-hmm. 
superb. It's won awards all over the place. And uh, if, if I could ever bid on one of his Deadpools or get him to commit, I might even try and commission him to do a Deadpool for me because that is the Deadpool. Right now, I'm bidding on eBay for a Heroclix. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, that was painted to look like uh, ca- Deadpool dresses Captain America uh-huh. from that one uh, uh, cover that uh, of Deadpool from Asia, from like about like four or five issues back. And, yeah. and if I could get one of those from Kyle, I would be in heaven. Oh yeah, I'm looking at the Deadpool right now, and I'm thinking, oh man, yeah. He, I mean, the the closest that I've seen to this detail is uh, the steampunk stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but this, I actually think this is better. Right. Yeah. This is nice. This yeah. is very, very nice. Uh, I have to point out, if you look on the main page under Customs, mm-hmm. and if you look at the Emma Frost... Oh, yeah. That is nice. That is very nice, too. And the uh, the question oh. is also very nice. Uh, the man is extremely talented. No, the, 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 actually, uh, even better than that, come on, the, the uh, Batman Green Lantern. I'm looking... Okay. It's it's actually on the front page on at Figure Realms first place winner Green Lantern costa, contest. Okay. Uh, like like when you scroll down to like where the Toy Fair Green Lan- uh Jean Grey stuff is, it's it's right to the left of that. That's nice. I didn't see that earlier. Yeah, and that's uh, done from the uh, from the like three or four images of Batman Green Lantern that were done by Ethan Van Skyver. Right. That way. right. Oh God. That is nice. Yeah. So if you want to look at a bunch of wonderful wonderful action figures. Head on over to KyleRobinsonCustoms.com. Definitely. So what is this about Ann Bishop? Uh, Ann Bishop is a favorite of mine. Uh, I discovered her about three years ago. And she probably is my second favorite uh, sci-fi fantasy writer next to uh, Mercedes Lackley. Mm -hmm. She has a series of books called The Black Jewels Trilogy. Uh, she's got several other books, but this is my main uh, series. I'm grabbing the book right now. Uh, it is a series of three books called "The Daughter of the Blood," uh, "Heir to the Sh- yeah, can't talk," "Heir to the Shadows," and "Queen of the Darkness." And it is basically about a world where their powers are controlled by what uh, jewel that they uh, possess. Mm-hmm. They start with white. They end with black. Whatever jewel you're born with, you have to do a, a birthright uh, ceremony, and you can descend two levels down, uh, power level-wise. Uh, the main character is a young girl who was born without any jewels. They think that she's defective. They think that she is crazy, but she's actually the most powerful uh, witch that's ever been uh, born. It's a society where it's uh, matriarchal. Uh, the women are divided up into queens. They are uh, black widows, and they are healers. Huh. And uh, the uh, subplot is that the men – I'm getting graphic here. <laughs> okay. The men are, quote-unquote, uh, slaves versus sex slaves, uh-huh. and they, they, they wear a nice little ring called obedience ring that's around certain – organ Mm -hmm. and the the witches control them and they basically uh are serve the queens this is not gore but it's it's nowhere near that but the principle is the women are in charge the men are either bred to service the women or they protect the women by choice uh what i found interesting is the names of the characters uh there is uh damon de uh uh, there is Lucifer de Sade, mm-hmm. and there is Demon de Sade. 
and Demon de Sad is uh, a demon dead uh, high lord who's 50,000 years old, and he is literally the lord of hell. Huh. And in the series, being the lord of hell means you're a good guy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'll, t- I'll take your word for it. Um, the first book is about her uh, childhood. Uh, it's about Damon Desiad, who is a, uh, a male slave prostitute, who's searching for her. He finds her, and he helps her with her birthright uh, passage, and she uh, is given the black jewels. The second one is a story about the uh, war uh, that is being fought between their faction and the faction of his uh, mother-in-law, who is a... Uh, uh, Black Widow uh, Witch. And then the third book is uh, the ending of the series where she has her own black court and she basically shatters her jewels to save their world and she winds up with something called the Twilight's uh, Dawn, which is the most powerful jewel that's been created. And this is all based upon uh, dragons, uh, magic. Uh, there's a um, four-part novella series that came after that ties up the loose ends. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's an independent novel called The Invisible Ring, which is set 500 years before. Uh, It is the best fantasy sci-fi that you'll read. It's good long books, great characters, and it's, if you like Missy Lackley, if you like Andre Norton, uh, Marion Zimmer Bradley, you are going to love this series. Great. And she's only 32 years old. She's got a retiring career ahead of her. Oh, yeah, definitely. So that's at uh, annbishop.com, correct? Yes. You went into one of your favorite things. This is, uh, I guess, sort of like a guilty pleasure of mine. Uh, The New York City subway system has some intricate design, and uh, over the years, certain stations have stopped being used. And, uh, you know, they've had to make changes on the line and stuff like that. Well, there's, there's a website out there. I'll send the full link because I'm not going to bother saying it right now because if I did, then I, probably my brain would hurt. But uh, it, that goes into all of the abandoned stations on the New York line and gives full histories about them. Uh, goes into why they were abandoned. Uh, goes into, I guess, their architecture and stuff like that. And there are certain ones on this line here that were gorgeous, I mean, absolutely gorgeous in their day, uh, specifically uh, one that you can actually take tours of, which I'm going to try and do sometime in, uh, I believe, in July. Uh, the old uh, IRT City Hall station that is uh, still there, still standing entirely, where the trains would actually turn around the loop and go down that way. And it's got these gorgeous ceilings uh, with these stained glass windows and everything, and it's just sitting there unused. And in almost pristine condition on the New York City subway line. That's just, it just amazed me that this thing exists. And it goes through a whole list of that. So if you're a train geek like I am, then you'll enjoy this abandoned uh, station site because, uh, well, I like my subway. What can I say? When you sent me the link, I was like, oh, this is interesting. And I started looking, and you're right, they're absolutely beautiful. Yeah. You could spend hours just looking at the pictures. And, and th- there's even some videos that they have of the old uh, stations from back in like the 1920s and some, sometimes even earlier than that on very early recordings uh, of, uh, of like trains going through and, you know, just how advanced the technology was back then for then and looking back on it now and how well it's held up that, you know, train technology really hasn't changed that much over the years. 
yeah, it's it's really cool stuff. Yeah, definitely. So I'll send you the like I said, it'll be in the show notes. Uh, it's you know what, screwed. I'll say I'll say the name here, but it'll be in the show notes. It's Columbia.edu squiggly line Brennan slash uh, abandoned slash index html. So you can go ahead and mm. check that out. It'll be in the show notes. Yeah. So let's go from the happy to the morose, shall we? Sure. <laughs> Stabbings, stabby, stabby, stabby. Oh God. The fact that he uh, posted it, texted it, and they still ignored him is just sad. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I, I occasionally go on different uh, websites just to see if there's anything interesting. But when I saw this on the front page of Yahoo, I just start laughing hysterically. Because this is something that's very, very sad. Uh, this is someone who's extremely troubled. But it also is a a good example of what the youth of Japan are, are going through. Mm-hmm. They feel very, very isolated. Uh, they feel as if there's no one to listen to, no one to talk to. They're saying that the economy is such that everyone's become much more materialistic and it's not family-oriented. And I honestly believe that this person would have had just one person to talk to. He wouldn't have gone off. Right. I mean, he seemed to be a shut-in from the way they described him, which is interesting because the first description I saw of this, they said that it was a member of the Yakuza that did this. And that's obviously not what it turned out to be in the end. It was just some kid, some 25-year-old kid, Mm -hmm. and goes out there and kills people. I mean, this doesn't happen that often in Japan. In fact, uh, first time I've ever, ever even really heard anything about this in Japan. Otaku have this stereotype. In Japan, mm-hmm. that they're always the schlubby guys, they always want to avoid, and it's mostly because of uh, there was there were one or two people back in like the eighties and I think even in the seventies that did kill people that were otaku, and mm-hmm. that's why they've never been able to shake the stereotype. And here right. we are now with yet another person that looked like he was a shut in, a little bit of an otaku that goes out and stabs people. What's this going to do for the Japanese community? It's going to tear it apart, especially since I found the most disturbing thing is that they're describing you know, how many people were stabbed, how many people died. And then the next line said, and this is nearby the big electronics um, area of uh, Japan, uh, and it's also where they have mm-hmm. women who dress up in uh, maid uniforms that are yeah. called maid cafes. Uh, and uh, I was like – Akihabara is the, is the area, yeah. Yeah, and I, and I was like, that's unnecessary. We didn't need to know that. <laughs> but that is Akihabara. I mean, that's the, that's well, the yeah. way they roll there, you know, and it's been like that for years now. I, I understand that, but I just I just think that they should be able to report a news story and not, you know, say, oh, yeah, he's a misguided geek. Right, right. You know, right. I, I just find that disturbing. It, 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 should, it should just be reporting on the story and not what type of person he was. Exactly, and I think that was the most disturbing thing to me. Mm-hmm. I, I'm sorry people lost their lives and they got hurt, but... Don't make us any more of a geek than we already are. Yeah. Well, what's even more disturbing to me, though, is that the first thing I thought when I saw this is, gee, I wonder if they're going to make an anime out of this. Oh, I know. And you know they will. Oh, yeah. I I was telling Mark about it, and he he goes into full-blown acting out what possibly could have happened with the the samurai sword. Oh, 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 God. (laughs) No sympathy. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, Japanese, there are other ways, okay? Don't turn to stabby. No stabby-stabby, okay? Uh, Did you hear about the side story that they brought up an instance where last summer a a Japanese teenage uh, girl had been reading anime and she become obsessed with death 
Mm-hmm. So she literally strangled someone in front of a crowd of people just because she felt like killing someone and she wanted to see how it felt. Oh, my God. Well, that – and how about the people who had death notes? That, oh, God. That were going around and killing people and write – you know, they wrote their name in their death notes and they would go and kill them. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's – all right. There needs to be a separate line between fiction and real life. There has to yeah. be a separate line between fantasy and reality. And some right. people do not know how to separate the two. doesn't mean we're all like this, but there are going to be disturbed people out there. And they're going to be disturbed any other way. It's like, it's like trying to uh, link video games to uh, you know, uh, school shootings. You know? they, yeah, they, exactly. pro- they probably would have ended up killing people anyway because they were that disturbed. It's not because they played video games. It's because they were disturbed. So, exactly. You know, it's, it's, it's a shame to hear, but it's just not because they were geeks. It was because it happened. We can move on from this, and we can still be friends. Okay, mm-hmm. people? There you go. Yeah. All right. But uh, let's, let's get uh, a little happier and a little simpler. Scribe.com. Uh, was, oh, jeez. Now, now this <laughs> – yeah, what a segue. You know, like a segue from stabbing to paper. Well, uh, Scribe.com is a – place to put all of your documents you know all of the like random stuff that you come across during your life if you don't want to have them sitting on your computer even if you do you just want somewhere else to put them scribe.com is a great place they use something that they like to call e-paper which in essence takes whatever format you have whether it be microsoft word whether it be uh, a uh, adobe uh, acrobat file and makes it into this easily accessible file that you can go and read whenever you want. And there's plenty of amazing stuff on here. Like, I found the full uh, spec script. Well, not uh, it's not even a f- spec script, just the full essay that Alan Moore wrote for Twilight of the Superheroes. Alan Moore's story that never got made. The full description of his story is on this website. And uh, you've got old, like, subway maps and stuff on here. You've got uh, uh, old, like, con- like, like convention stuff that you might not have been able to find. You know, you've got flyers from places. You've got old essays that people put up. You've got short stories on here. Uh, Egyptian myth and legend is right here on the front page. Uh, you know, how to find the best keywords. Anything you really want to see here, and even some ebooks for that matter, are on scribe.com. It's S-C-R-I-B-D.com. And... I'm kind of hooked. I, I looked at the link that you sent me, and I'm thinking, oh, I know what I'm going to do this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. And I mean, uh, even if you're not uploading stuff, just go ahead and join the website and read a bunch of the stuff that's on there because you're going to be amazed at some of the stuff you find. Oh, yeah. It's, it, it is making me wish that I something like this existed back when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, anyone who's been to the, you know, the college library and you're in the stacks and you're looking for obscure stuff to read because you're bored, you know, and do your homework, it's very time consuming. But this, you you sit down, you log on, and you just read for hours. And I think it's going to be a great resource for numerous people on numerous things. No question. No question at all. And I've I've already gone and, you know, uh, searched for things on there and been very happy with what I found. So, like I said, it's yet another one of those, uh, you know, Web 2.0 things that uh, don't like to actually uh, use E's in things, so it's just S-C-R-I-B-D dot com. So, you know, just remember that. No E, okay? <laughs> <laughs> what, what the hell is up with the Internet's aversion to the letter E? I don't know. <laughs> we got one more piece of news here, and that is, of course, uh, 
WB has decided, yes, I said the words WB, by the way, it does exist online still, even if the CW is the uh, regular, uh, I guess, the thing that you'll find on TV. WB is back in one way or another online. As opposed to putting their stuff on Hulu, they're going to try and make their own Hulu, according to TVSquad.com. Not quite sure if it's a good idea, but uh, both at the WB.com and the KidsWB.com, you're going to be able to watch full shows of old WB shows like Buffy, uh, Gilmore Girls, uh, Angel will be on there. Uh, Kids WB, I'm sure, will have stuff like Freakazoid and uh, some of the old uh, Kids WB stuff. But is it a good idea not to go with Hulu, uh, considering that Hulu has become very popular these days? I think that Hulu has a better uh, plan mm-hmm. than WB. Uh, and I'm looking at it right now, and I'm not really impressed by it. I think that Hulu, with the beta testing that they did and the amount of shows that they have, mm-hmm. I mean, you can literally spend all day on Hulu and never get bored. Oh, yeah, yeah. I'm catching up on Bones just uh, just through Hulu because uh, oh, yeah. I first got into it on the second and last episode of this season, and now I'm just going to sit down and watch all the episodes from like season one on because they're all on Hulu. Yeah, I, I think Hulu is going to eventually uh, be our TV. It's going to be damn uh, close, yeah. Yeah, it, it's it's got so many great shows from the past, and I, I think the only complaint that I have about Hulu, and then my husband actually has a more complaint, of a complaint than I do is that some of the older shows uh, or some of the more obscure shows, mm-hmm. you only get part of the episode. I'm, I'm talking specifically uh, Jack of Trades with Bruce Campbell. Oh, man, they don't have full episodes up there? They have some, but not a lot, yeah, or they yeah. only have five or six episodes, but they don't have full seasons. Oh, man. I used to love that show. When I would, <laughs> every single uh, Saturday, I'd, I'd watch down and watch the action block with uh, Cleopatra 25-25 and uh, Jack of All Trades. Yes, I own that. <laughs> I, I, You know, back in the day, I, I was an action pack whore. I swear to God. I I admit I'm upset because I have VIP season one, but they haven't put season two out yet. And, and you know what? I think the entire world is better off that way. Eh, it's Pamela Anderson. I, yeah, but it was fun. <laughs> it was fun. And Cleopatra 2025, that was fun. Uh, the uh, there was a, there is a series that they haven't put out and it's Sheena. Uh-huh. Uh I love that series. It only lasted about a year. There was the old uh, Sinbad show that they had that lasted about a season. Oh it was just God. it was just bad television, but it was it was it was a brilliant error in syndication. Well, um, wasn't there it was a, great. Wasn't there also a uh, Kung Fu to Legendary Journeys? Uh, wasn't it like Kung Fu to Legend Continues or something? Yeah, that ran like four seasons. Yeah. Yeah, and they also had something. I actually ironed the pants on this one. Uh, there was a tracker with Adrian Paul, which he did after Highlander oh was God. on there. There was what else was there? Uh, there was oh, there was a female Zorro uh, that was on about two seasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, she was the the niece of Zorro, and she had adventures. It was just bad television, and there and most of it is on Hulu. So I'm like, yay. <laughs> <laughs> For people who like bad television, you can go out over to Hulu. <laughs> but no, I, I think that WB is, is is wrong to try to gulp against Hulu. I, I agree entirely, and maybe they'll change their mind. But you can get the full score story over at TVSquad.com if you want. I'll have the link in the show notes. All right, I guess we're done with geek news here, so why don't we move on over to geek music?
time for Geek Music here, and obviously we will start off with Lori's pick, and she found it over at the uh, Podshow Podsafe Music Network. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your pick? Well, I was looking for uh, geek music, and usually I just listen to Weird Al or Ray Stevens, because that's just how I am. Mm -hmm. But I came across Tom Smith, I came across this song, and I thought, this song is perfect. This This is the new White Nerdy. Oh, wow. Okay, she's calling it here. Look out. I, I just like the song. Well, and it's called uh, Insert Geek Cliche Here. So uh, Exactly. But, well, here we are with a Tom Smith Insert Geek Cliche Here, thanks to the Podshow Podsafe Music Network. Check it out, guys. Got a hundred thousand comics carefully collected And all the action figures for them carefully selected The posters and promotions for each superhero movie My ringtones Frank and Furter and Ash saying I got each permutation of the Xbox and PlayStation My anime collection is the finest in the nation If you wonder why I work so hard to get geek cred Well, I can't remember either I'll let this crap till I'm dead Insert geek cliche here is the new kind of cool now Streak of the year. I still get beaten up in school now. Social freak full of fear. All the girls don't think I'm a tool now. Insert geek cliche here. George Lucas had Darth Vader in his TIE Fighter to strafe us. Spielberg had Indy E.T. Jaws and Richard Dreyfus. Hawking, Sagan, Feynman, Gates, and Wozniak and Jobs. The world is ruled by skinny dukes and non-athletic blobs. I have no skills or talent and I don't know where to start. A real idiot savant without the savant part. But I figured I could be successful like those other nerds. As long as I've got all the toys and shout out all the words. Insert geek cliche And D&D every volume and edition I've got a million magic cards I'm still not a magician Costumes, props, and makeup From every sci-fi show ever made I actually thought that buying all this stuff Might get me laid Talk around the internet in search of any plunder And where it's gonna lead me you don't really have to wonder My finances are ruined so I live on beets and porridge My house is in foreclosure and my toys are all in storage The eBay people hate me and they will not do my bidding And I won't go and sell the stuff, come on now, are you kidding? But don't misunderstand, I haven't found my inner geek I can't afford a laundromat and all my clothes reek Insert geek cliche I thought it would be so cool now It's not chic, it's just queer Haven't been outside since you now Living on taquitos and beer Fall asleep and start to drool now Insert geek cliche No. 
Wow. <laughs> that last line, I think, just makes it. Oh, yeah. It's a great song. <laughs> and uh, I actually especially like the uh, part about the taquitos and beer. Cause, uh, oh, yeah. Hey, uh, taquitos and beer taste good. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I finally got a good Mexican place in my neighborhood. And they make taquitos and, uh, they, well, they don't serve beer yet, but at least they let you bring it in. Oh. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, once again, Tom Smith, insert geek cliche here. And I believe that's from, uh, what was that, from The Fump, according to this? I don't know what the yes. hell that is. So. All right. But anyway, check that out over at the Pod Show Podsafe Music Network. And I've got one myself. Uh, this one is by The Kimberly Trip. So we've got a nice uh, female vocalist here. And it's a track called Geek School. And I found this one on GarageBand.com. So thank GarageBand.com for making these tracks available. So here we go with The Kimberly Trip with Geek School. Someday when I'm rich and famous And you mistake me for Tori Amos I know you'll all forget about the time that you saw Kleenex sticking out of my bra You can say I'm so bizarre A goth girl with a pink guitar I don't like your clicks and I don't need to play your games I'm okay if you think I'm lame
All right. There you go. The Kimberly Trip with Geek School here on the Geek Speak Report. So what do you think of that? I actually liked it a lot. I liked the last part with the fade. That was cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's groovy. Yeah, well, I think I think actually what, what I dig about it is that uh, you don't really hear that many uh, women singing about geek stuff. This is actually the first one I found. Really? Yeah, uh, at least on the pod show uh, area and stuff like that. So this is actually the first one I found, so I'm, I'm going to try and look for more. I mean, yours was along the lines of a lot of the ones that, I, uh, that I've heard before, like sort of like the They Might Be Giants style. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And uh, this one was just something very, very different, and it made me very, very happy and filled with the... I liked it a lot. All right, so yeah, once again, you find it on GarageBand.com, the Kimberly Trip Geek School. Alrighty, so before we wrap things up here, we got one more quick segment for you. After a one-episode break, Ray Long, otherwise known as Racer Hex on the forums, is back with a Geek Gamer Guide, this one focusing entirely on Dungeons & Dragons in honor of Gary Gygax, who passed away a couple months back. So, Ray, take it away. Yes, this is another episode of Geek Gamer Guide. I want to apologize for being absent these past few uh, weeks or so. I've been caught up in a new job at Hive 7 Design Video Games, and it's kind of uh, been a distraction. But uh, let's head on to some uh, news items that I'm sure are of interest to gamers everywhere. Uh, First item, as you all probably already know, uh, Gary Gygax, the father of D&D, has passed away. Uh, He's a man who's had a great influence on uh, not just gaming, but uh, pop culture, and the world in general. He managed to distill a great many ideas from great many sources into a very fun game that many of us have played for quite a long time, and has influenced many other things, such as movies, comic books, television, novels, you name it, uh, if it's heading to fantasy, and even sci-fi to some extent, uh, Gary had a large part in bringing it to the fore. He will be missed, and there's really nothing that can say that hasn't been said a million times before. Except, uh, Gary, uh, we'll miss you. And speaking of uh, D&D, as many of you also probably already know, uh, D&D 4th Edition has been released uh, to mixed reviews. It has been selling pretty well, and Hasbro is reportedly very pleased. Now, uh, for the geek view, I have uh, experienced 4th Edition firsthand. Played on a little... Uh, module and uh, went through the game mechanics with a group, a local group that I play with on occasion here in Berkeley. And uh, I had to give it kind of a, a middling review as well. I had to give it kind of about a C plus or so. Uh, it seems to be more of a uh, video game simulation, a lot of Diablo or with a little bit of World of Warcraft mixed in. I know that uh, many people were touting, oh, it's going to be simpler and easier than D20. And uh, in some aspects it is, and, but in most aspects it's not. They've really shifted most of the gameplay responsibilities from players over to the, the Dungeon Master. For instance, uh, many of the powers and abilities that you have 
involve marking enemies and in our short little scenario that we played for a few hours um, at one point there were multiple enemies up to five at a time that had marks on them of different powers and abilities and different effects and it's up to the GM and uh, the players to keep track of all these myriad marks running around and it's just one small example of the way um, the new edition doesn't simplify but in fact complicates uh, things there are some simplifications such as uh, everybody has the same progression table which is really more an evolution of the 3.5 uh, progression tables than anything um, I'm got, going to keep uh, giving it a try uh, on occasion, uh, but for the time being I'm going to stick to 3.5, especially since a lot of the books are now going for really, really cheap. So folks, uh, my recommendation is pick up the maybe the PHB or the DMG and satisfy your curiosity, maybe try out uh, a module or two at your local game store, and then make up your own mind. As for me, I'm going to stick with 3.5. And now to kind of continue this all D&D &D, uh, episode of Geek Gamer Guide, I'm doing something a little different. I'm going to actually do a movie review of a movie based on a game. Uh, we all saw the horrible Dungeons & Dragons movie that came out a few years ago. Horrible casting, horrible script, uh, dungeon, and really horrible dragons. Um, I'm not going to talk about that movie. I want to talk actually about the direct-to-TV sequel from the Sci-Fi Channel, Dungeons & Dragons 2. I uh, came across this movie purely by accident. I'd heard there was going to be one in production, and uh, based on my experience with the first one, I decided to skip it, but I caught it on the DVR and watched it, and I gotta say, I was pleasantly surprised. And if you come across it, I can't recommend it enough. If you're a D&D or fantasy guy, uh, keep an eye out for it and check it out on the Sci-Fi channel. Um, it's more uh, The whole movie plays like a actual D&D adventure. There is dungeon delving, and there are archetypes that are true to D&D. There's your halfling rogue and a barbarian fighter with incredible uh, 18th strength and uh, you get to see the um, the classes and people kind of act like you and your friends do when you're playing D&D. You get to see uh, watch the fighter misses reflex save and get damaged. Watch the rogue make it and roll all the way. You get to see traps and dungeons and dungeon puzzles that uh, have befuddled us many times while playing not one, but not two, but three dragons, and they, their uh, appearance actually makes sense. You're going to see spell mishaps, and not one, but two good uses of the Gust of Wind spell, uh, which is one of those things that has always been a joke in D&D, &D, and I'm glad that they showed that some of the good uh, old first edition flavor is still alive and well in Hollywood. i got to give it a four out of five. It's a great little movie, and uh, you should really watch it if you're a fan of D&D. &D. Uh, maybe burn your D&D 1 DVDs in effigy and uh, hope you get a D&D 3 from the Sci-Fi channel. And uh, that's uh, my all D&D uh, Geek Gamer Guide. And I hope you enjoyed it. And I'll have, I promise I'll have more out of these out for you uh, regularly in the future. Have a great day and let the dice and cards fall where they may. This is Ray signing off.
Thanks a ton to Ray Long yet again for having a Geek Gamer Guide for us. It's good to get a little bit of an inside scoop on the new Dungeons & Dragons. Never really been much of a Dungeons & Dragons guy before, but uh, I, I don't know. Maybe someday I might actually try it. In fact, actually, I played a really cool game of uh, Flux uh, the other day uh, for my July 4th barbecue. That was a lot of fun. Obviously, that's not Dungeons & Dragons, but at least that's a game, so I figured I might as well mention this in this segment here. So, yet again, thanks, Ray. Uh, you're always welcome here on Geek Speak, and we hope to get another Geek Gamer Guide for the next episode with Marvelous Patrick. I think we're pretty much done at this point, so I guess before we wrap things up, you got anything you want to plug? Um, yeah, I, uh, I have a new podcast that I... Uh... The uh, second episode, first episode of Comic Book Roadshow is going to be uh, posting tomorrow. Uh, it's under the Deliberate Noise banner, uh, the Comic Book Noise banner with Derek Howard. My uh, email is uh, lois underscore 94086 at yahoo.com. I'm also at lori, L-O-R-R-I-E, at comicbooknoise.com. That's about it. And right away, when you, when you said the Deliberate Noise Network, my, my first response is, yes, but isn't everybody... Well, well, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I am fulfilling a uh, a geek wish that Derek had because uh, about two months ago he had said that he really wished that there was more female uh, podcasters out there, and I was on the forums and so I PM'd him and I said, "Well, what about me? I've got a lot of comic books. I'm a nerd." He says, "Well, if you want a show, you can have a show." And I said, okay. And I've done a couple of, I did a fill-in episode for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I've done a couple of things. And it, it is fun. I'm still learning. Uh, me and Audacity fight every time I, I record, but that's okay. Oh, Audacity, Audacity, Audacity. Uh, I have a great inability not to be able to send files correctly. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm having fun. Well, well, that's that's what's the important thing. You know, sent files or not sent files, at least you're having fun. Yeah. And and uh, it, it was it was fun talking to you today, which is even better. Well, thank you. And if you indeed want to have more uh, women podcasters out there, why don't you vote for Lori in the uh, Geese Be Co-host Challenge? How about that? Now that's a segue right there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, uh, you obviously can uh, comment on her performance here uh, once the episode is out, and it is obviously if you're listening to it, and just head on over to Geek Speak Report forums to do that. And the next guy up is the last guy. And that is the Marvelous Patrick. And I am very intrigued to see what Mr. Marvelous Patrick is going to be putting out there and whether or not I need to add the word Marvelous in front of his name when I talk to him. <laughs> we're, we're, we're still waiting on that. I don't know. Uh, I want to thank Lori one more time for joining us here. It was a hell of a lot of fun. And uh, obviously, even if you don't win this here, uh, we'll certainly be having you back on Comic Timing at some point. Oh, that'd be great. I had fun. I had fun as well. So we're done here, folks. So let's wrap this baby up. Uh, the email address for the Geekspeak Report is speakgeekspeak at gmail.com. That's S P E A K G E E K S P E A K at gmail.com. Uh, don't forget to check, check out the forums over at the comicforums.com. Graciously hosted by Comic Geekspeak guys over at comicgeekspeak.com. It's under the Comic Timing Forums. So just check out the Geekspeak Report over there. And once again, make sure to comment on Lori's thread. Uh, don't forget to dig us on dig.com and give us your iTunes reviews on iTunes and Podcast Alley if you so desire. Uh, music for the show is brought up at the Podshow Podsafe Music Network over at music.podshow.com and obviously the track from Garage Band as well and by Anamata Gucci 
over at myspace.com slash Anamanaguchi. And I want to thank Pixie Tricks, Shonen Samurai, Zircon, and Jeffrey Tosser for the opening and closing theme of the Geekspeak Report. You can find their stuff and a whole lot more over at ocremix.org. We're pretty much done, so for Lori, I'm Ian Leatherstein, reminding everybody out there to have a great week, enjoy your geek, and we'll see you next time on the Geekspeak Report. So I have started here, so let me just make sure what episode number it is before I actually start doing that, because the last, like, four episodes of Geek Speak, I've said an episode number, it didn't even turn out to be the right one in the end. <laughs> oh, jeez. All right, so let's see. Speak, Geek Speak. Here we go. Load, load, load. And episode seven. All right, great. Okay. All right. In five, four, three, Sweet. I, I, we're, we're bugs flying in the air. <laughs> okay. Um... And the, and the recipe uh, on your menu.